for some of these guys, you know, the big thing, they want to get a ring. There's a reason why Jared Verse came over to Florida State. He was thought that he'd have, uh, as being the program as it is, and this is still Florida State University, don't get it wrong, but you, you're, you're, you was expected to come in here and fight for a national championship if, or in a college football playoff berth if he went undefeated 13-0 this season, won his ACC championship like he was told. That would be enough to get in. Hey guys, it's Terrence Nan. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go Dose. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, aka E Dub in the house. So we're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go live, go nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear. Go nose. This is Terrell Fuckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. No bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Deion Primetime Sanders. Great Deion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I could, I could wake up to that greedy every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, those fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Here's the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on. SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go no. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? What's happening, guys? This is Logan Robinson from here. The Spear presented to you by NoGameDay.com. We are here live on a not-so-wonderful and fantastic Wednesday. Hasn't been a great week so far. These last 72 hours have been a pretty brutal one for this Florida State fan base. And everyone actually covering this school. Kind of confused at the moment. But uh, we've got a jam-packed show tonight. We're going to talk about Florida State and not getting... Uh, pick to go into the 2023 college football playoff. Some brutal news on Sunday after Florida State won the 2023 ACC championship. So the Seminoles and the FSC fan base didn't get a lot of time to celebrate after winning something which was big for this program and something to see the turnaround under Mike Norvell. But we'll be giving our full thoughts and just an open discussion on that after it's been a crazy last couple of days. I'm going to jump into Transfer Portal because it doesn't stop Right now, it doesn't stop. Last December was very busy, and we're already starting off hot already on December 6th. So we're going to talk transfer portal. Seminoles leaving the program. Some maybe tests in the waters. A few tweets here and there on some ideas and some intentions of doing things, but maybe not formally happening yet. But we're going to give our thoughts on the transfer portal. We'll talk Johnny Wilson, too, opting out of the Orange Bowl and declaring for the NFL draft. And... We're going to talk some basketball, too, at the end. Cameron Fletcher, really, really serious injury. Uh, Austin was there in attendance for that. So uh, a wild weekend up there in North Carolina, but glad to be back here to be able to really talk about Florida State and not get a chance to fight for an AC, or a national championship uh, this year after going 13-0. But with me this evening, we've got a jam-packed one. We've got a four. we got a quad box. But at the top of me is Austin Vizi, our lead basketball writer, nogende.com. And then we've got Dustin Lewis at the very bottom, our editor-in-chief. And then right next to him is Dylan Riera. He is our staff writer uh, covering Florida State football, helping out with some recruiting here and there as well. But, uh, gentlemen, here we are. It's uh, I, I don't think talking to you guys back in August when we were preparing and previewing this team that I'd be able to say in December, Florida State went 13-0, won the ACC championship, and isn't going to the college football playoff. It's, it's a time, it's a time to be alive. It's been 
a very sad what what is it now 72 hours a little more feels like it's been it feels weeks. like it's been decades since <laughs> the ACC championship Saturday night Sunday morning whatever time we got out of there um just a unbelievable unbelievable result to how the season should have been and you know even as we sit here now on Wednesday night and going in these next few days it's not going to get any better yeah I I don't know. I mean, it's been a few days and, I, you know, you sit here and you try to rationalize it every which way and every which way you look at it, you just keep getting a little more frustrated. I think that's kind of the sentiment that everybody, even non-Florida State fans have. It's like you look at this any which way and it doesn't, it just doesn't make sense, you know. And then you have people out there like Paul Feinbaum were like, listen, just stop with the stuff. What is something along the lines of the fake outrage or something like that? What about this outrage is fake? You know, how can you tell people just to stop? I I don't know. I don't know how to rationalize an irrational decision. It only gets worse with every playoff committee member that comes out and says something and they all contradict themselves about what happened in there. Like at this point, just shut the hell up. I'm tired of hearing it. Like clearly you guys don't know what happened in there. We don't know what happened in there. Just leave it at that at this point. Yeah. No, we, we heard it from all the national guys and, you know, just going through the night uh, or not the night, but the Sunday of, of noon when we found out. And you could just feel something in the morning whenever you saw Michael Alford having to post a lot of things about Florida State's resume. Even I think Mike Norvell was retweeting something here and there, just showing what Florida State put on paper this year compared to really Alabama and, you know, it just turned into a whole a whole uh, shitstorm, honestly, that, that day. And you could hear, too, from some of the analysts up there the last couple of weeks, really specifically, of, of preaching for Alabama to, to have that chance to get up there in the top four. And that's why I was asking you guys after that game we saw where, you know, Brocklin, you had a true freshman quarterback go out there and have to play. And, you know, Mike Norvell had to switch that whole offense up. I was asking, you know, is, is the committee going to do something crazy here? Could they do something wild and, and really not select Florida State to be in this top four? And here we are. So be it. Um, you know, we had everything prepared for the most part for Florida State to get into this top four spot. And, you know, we thought maybe Florida State would be facing against Washington. Maybe they'd be at that three spot and then they'd be able to face them, you know, go down the NOLA and face there because Michigan would want to take on in the Rose Bowl. Just poof, all, all, all a dream there. All, all kind of just just bogus stuff, I guess, we were putting in our head. I guess we're just idiots. <laughs> well, you've heard me the last couple of weeks on the show. I've probably been maybe the most vocal about us three of saying not even – it's not even a question. Florida State's going to go to the playoff if they go undefeated. It doesn't matter if Jordan Travis is out for the season. And, you know, Florida State's ranking by the college football playoff committee week by week kind of reflected that mantra. And then it just kind of seems like they totally flipped heel on what they were regarding when it came to these final college football playoff rankings. I mean, it's an, it's kind of insane. You know, you're talking about Texas going from seven to three, a jump of four. Same thing with Bama going from eight to four after seeing that top eight barely change you know through the first five or or whatever so playoff rankings and then you just have changes of that magnitude um it's it's a little fishy and you know college football it kind of went away from the bcs system to avoid scenarios like this and then it comes out 13 got 13 people in a conference room make a decision like this that 
changes college football, makes FSU not only lose out on this opportunity, but also millions of dollars of revenue in the process. And what's frustrating is you look at all these other polls, Florida State, number four in the AP poll, Florida State, number four in the BCS poll, the old system, and Florida State, number three in the coaches poll. So the head coaches around the country obviously valued what Florida State did, but we let 13 people take them out of the college football playoff. Yeah, does Go ahead, Austin. All of those, if you look at the SP Plus rankings, they're ahead of Washington, Texas, and Alabama. Like, it's not just those polls. If you look at the analytics, Florida State's a better team than some of those other teams are. And I, I heard what the, the committee's rationale was with the injury to Jordan Travis. I, I'm calling bullshit on it right here, right now. I just, I just don't think that's true. If you really think Jordan Travis was the issue, Florida State would have been four last week, and they wouldn't be five above Georgia this week. That's just not what it was. What it came down to was – they had to find a way to put the SEC champion in, but they couldn't do it without putting Texas in, a team who had already beaten Alabama. And, you know, we left the arena or the stadiums Saturday night, Sunday morning. Florida State had odds of like minus 600 of making the playoffs to Bama's plus 250 or plus 300. Then by the time I wake up on Sunday, they were even at like minus 110, just in a span of 11 hours. Uh, that that doesn't happen by accident. Even ESPN's playoff predictor had Florida State at like a 97% chance to Alabama's 44% chance. 12 hours later, Alabama's in and Florida State's out. That's just – I don't care what they're telling me about Jordan Travis or they're not the best-looking team right now. That doesn't happen in 11 hours of thinking. Yeah. Yeah, Dustin, I, I think, you know, you touched on it. You said you were like – you know, you were the most vocal one about we're in the playoff as long as we win, and I I don't think it was unreasonable to think that way. It's because well, that's what we were being told and shown and repeatedly, you know, reminded is that as long as FSU wins, they're in. I mean, how many, you know, when, when Jordan Travis went down, you had Dan Orlovsky saying, you know, this, this is, shouldn't be an indicator that Florida State should be out of the playoff. And then suddenly come Sunday, he's saying some outrageous take where he's saying this team's not the same team that win 13-0. You have Greg McElroy saying the same thing. He, he, he repeatedly said Florida State, as long as they win, they should get in. And then here we are Sunday morning. Greg McElroy completely turns heel. Um, you know, the, the committee themselves, I think I, we just talked about it before we got on air, but I went back and looked at that second edition of the of the ranking that they did. And when Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman were out uh, and they struggled against Pitt, Boo Corgan is on record as saying that, listen, they took those injuries into account and they still think that this team uh, this team has has what it takes to, to make the playoff. Uh, that's two members of the offense right there who are the two leading receivers for your team. And they're both out in the game. And you thought that that team was still capable of making the playoff. And you have one player that's out now on the offense. And that suddenly changes everything. I get the quarterback position is is probably, you know, accounts for a bit more. But the logic there is is so inconsistent. And I think that's what where all this frustration stems from is how inconsistent they were in evaluating this criteria. And I think it's a... It's a system that's based that that's foundation is is tainted by inconsistencies. I think it's been that way since the college football playoff started. I don't think this is the new issue. The the Greg McElroy switch up was insane. Literally all year. My, <laughs> yeah, my, my best friend back, my best friend back home is an Alabama fan. And like all year I'd be sending Greg McElroy quotes going, it's crazy how unbiased he is. Like here's him going against Alabama, here's him praising Florida State really all season long. And even the week of conference championship week i have two different quotes he went on andy Stapleshone and said if we hold the sanctity of the college football season the regular season which he does 
Florida State won all the results. Florida State doesn't have a terrible resume, but also acknowledge that they're a team that's undefeated. And ultimately, I don't care if you win by one or 100. If you win the games, you deserve the credit. So I think Florida State is absolutely in complete control over their own destiny, which is why Texas needs help, which is why Alabama needs help. Then he goes on ESPN same day and goes, we don't even need to entertain the idea of a one-loss team potentially jump at them, a la Texas and Alabama. Florida State's in. They're going to take care of business. Not if. They're going to take care of business this weekend, and they'll be in. They deserve to be. Sunday right. afternoon, he's going, Alabama's in. I, I, did you know? I mean, I'm watching, it, I'm watching it after hearing all that from him specifically. And he, I mean, he looked a little timid just sitting there too. He said, he said Alabama, you know, should get in. But he was not as passionate about that take as he was – these last few weeks with Florida State, I, you know, I'd love a, a supercut, a compilation of all of these media talking head media pundits before and after this last ranking. I mean, Kirk Herbstreit, as recently as right after the Florida game, said Florida State's four quarters away from controlling their own destiny. And then suddenly he launches this campaign of best team versus most deserving and all this switch up. I, it, 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 how do you explain that? I, there's no explanation for, for that other than this. It, it's, it was a campaign. I don't know. Yep. I mean, at, at risk of sounding like a conspiracy theorist, yeah, how, how else do you explain these people switching? Either they're really incompetent at their job and they shouldn't be an analyst for college football or this was intentional, you know? There's so many that switched up. It just, it seems a little fishy. I mean, from, from the second we got to college game day on Saturday morning, Florida State was already getting discredited, and then it comes to you felt it the end of that game. And I mean, it's just a full it, like like you kind of said, Dylan. It felt like a full on campaign from ESPN. I mean, basically everyone on that show. You had one or two guys, Booger McFarland being one of them, really defending Florida State. But other than that, people that had had good things to say about FSU throughout the entirety of the season suddenly judging them for a performance against Louisville where they covered the spread and won with their third-string quarterback. No one's remembering. It suddenly seems like no one remembers Tate Rodemaker is going to be back and for that right. whole game in, in a couple of weeks. Or if right. they were going to be in the playoffs, he would have passed concussion protocol and be back. Um, back by right, and, and he's a quarterback that, that went out and beat Florida on the road in his first meaningful start as a collegiate quarterback. And the committee rewarded that by moving Florida yep. State up from five to four. <laughs> So, it, you know, we live in a society that's based off precedent. I could go all the way back to 2014 and talk about all the different precedent that they could have based their decision off of, and it breaks almost every single one. Mm -hmm. Yep. No, the whole – that's what I was talking with Dustin about once we got done – after the game, once we got back to the hotel at friggin' 2 a.m., we were talking about how now Florida State was going to have Tate Rodemaker back, and you love having Rodemaker because he knows that system so well. And you're not going to have Brock Glenn out there. And, you know, if they're really – and I don't think it's the case. I think there's definitely more to it. But if their excuse was, you know, they didn't know – they just didn't do their homework enough to understand, too. You're also going to have Daryl Jackson back, a fresh one, which talking to someone close to the program on that night watching warm-ups, Daryl Jackson's a different kind of animal uh, and, and the trenches there. Possibly, like you've said, Dustin, possibly the most talented defensive lineman that Florida State has on its roster, and it's a fresh one. It, it's a fresh player that hasn't seen a snap all season. And you're getting Rodemaker back. Rodemaker would have been cleared by Monday. He would have been he would have been back, and you don't get Florida State the two. We haven't talked about the defense. Florida State's defense that's a mm -hmm. national cha championship caliber defense, and you're not allowing that to compete. You saw a big time takeaway there from Tatum Bethune live national television took away a touchdown from Louisville, which was instrumental 
and that game alone, and you're taking away from Jared Verse and Braden Fisk, right? I, and, that, and, that, no... and that and that and that defensive back room that's been phenomenal under first year defensive back coach uh, Pat Sertan. It's just it, it's you know it's it, it's brutal. We'll talk about the players too and their reaction, but just off of media people covering it and the day to day, no, you know it, it's a it's a brutal hit for a program that has done a whole whole ton to turn things around and you know it you know for mike norvell they definitely knew before when it went live you could tell and i'm watching the rankings come out you know norvell knew um that's why they're having to put out a lot of stuff and alfred was having to tweet out a whole ton of stuff that morning and i just knew that was just not a good sign but seeing the reactions you know some of the players had to have known and um shucks It's it's a shitty situation to your point on the defense, I'm, I'm taking a lot of this stuff from an article that will be coming out some point this week whenever Dustin feels like editing it. But Florida State's <laughs> defense has just been absolutely unreal when they've needed to be. You know, every single game, every opponent they've played has scored under their season average in points. Five times of the 13, they held the teams either their worst or second worst performance of the season points-wise. So you're going against a Florida State defense where you have a 40% chance of having your worst game. That's a national championship defense. I don't care what happens. I don't care who they're playing. You know, there's so much talk this week on, you know, Washington would score 40, Michigan would score 30. Bullshit. If LSU could only score 17 before garbage time, there's no chance. And LSU is by far the best offense in the country. It's not even close. Washington scored, what, 15 points on Arizona State? Mm-hmm. Florida State could win a 13 to 10 kind of game against them. They absolutely could. They can win a 13 to 10 kind of game against Michigan. To say that they wouldn't stand a chance against these guys and they don't have a chance to win the national championship, why are we going into hypotheticals? They've proven they, on the field that they exactly, are good enough. Exactly. I, I think, you know, it's not like this was the, the ACC championship games. The fact that we t- were talking about on field performance secondary to the rest of the media outcry, by the way, is, is something in and of itself. But it's not like this is an old AC championship game where it's Atlantic and, and Coastal and it's a four-loss you know, team on the other side. This was a two-loss Louisville ranked within the top 15, averaging 30 points per game, including a game against the mighty SEC and Florida State's defense held them to six. It's like the way everybody was talking about it was, was like, uh, like only offense is, is played. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, everyone's got a high-powered offense, so everyone's going to score a whole bunch of points. Mm-hmm. And let's not factor in the defense whatsoever. When – I mean, we had a stretch there, the three-game home stretch, where nobody scored more than 20 points against our, our defense. You know? Dude, they could barely score a touchdown earlier in the season. Yeah. Thir- and, and score more than 24 all year at home. The statistic right now is like 38 straight possessions, and we have one score against us, and it yep. was the unnecessary roughness penalty against Florida which probably shouldn't have been one. They, You know, and this is funny, too, just real quick. I know you're going to say something, Dustin, but this is hilarious. This is a good point from Dale Brown. I want to bring this up, uh, saying, and the Michigan cheating story has completely vanished. It sure did. They are in love with Harbaugh right now. They are eating up everything. Have you seen that flip? That is completely to absolutely loving what Michigan's doing, and they are so impressed. They didn't have Harbaugh out there on the sidelines to get those wins. They are eating up the Harbaugh stuff. They think it, it that's their good story of the year, that if Harbaugh wasn't on the sidelines, he still won a national championship. Just shows Sports at Miller the end of the day, back. they're a, they're a news company. They're not a they're not a sports media company. They're pumping in 
these narratives and they know they know what they're doing. But um, I was just going to talk about, you know, we talked about Florida State's defense at one touchdown allowed in the third, last 38 possessions. That's been incredible. It's since Jordan Travis um, went down with his injury. Only five total scoring possessions allowed since uh, Travis was injured. And then we hear all these narratives about Florida State's offense and how um, they can't win a playoff game or a national championship with Tate Rodemaker or Brock, Brock Glenn at quarterback. And they're not remembering that Michigan has J.J. McCarthy. So let's talk about these stats. Since Jordan Travis was injured, Rodemaker and Brock Glenn have combined for 441 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. J.J. McCarthy, vaunted quarterback in the country, 436 total yards, one touchdown, zero interceptions. Hey, man, it's the Big Ten. Got They got nasty defenses up there. Can't count them out. Fucking bullshit. Um, I, hey, there's one f bomb. Yeah, I'm sorry. I said I no, wanted. No, no, it's I great. Did it. um, no. It's insane. Like not, not only not only is Michigan getting away with the cheating the cheating scandal, Harbaugh was suspended the first three games for recruiting violations. He's been suspended half the season for mm-hmm. two completely different issues. And everyone's like, "Hey, number one team in the country. They have the same resume as Florida State. Let's put them number one." What are we doing? Yep. What are we doing? It makes no, it makes absolutely no sense. There are two ranked wins, or, or sorry, three ranked, ranked wins. Ohio State, good win. You know, Ohio State's a good football team. Penn State is somehow a top 10 team. I don't see it. Iowa is somehow a top 20 team. Do not get me started on Iowa. <laughs> Florida State's at least beaten LSU and Clemson in Death Valley. Still no one in the ACC has beaten them since 2016. You know, you don't want to know what happened in 2016. Prince died. The Obama administration was still around. Drake was still good. Like, it's insane that Florida State's resume has been written off as, ah, they played in the ACC. Michigan has been absolutely nobody. Their non-conference was like UNLV, East Carolina. They didn't play any Power 5 teams in the non-conference. Florida State scheduled two SEC teams away from home. Won both of them. By mm-hmm. at least two possessions. It's unbelievable. And even if Clemson isn't Clemson of the past, still nobody's beating. They came them up for that all. game. That was their wake. They had the still top twenty five. They did from that yeah. game. And still let's, top stop acting, let's stop acting like most of those teams played up for that game. You know, UM's gonna play up for the game. It's a rivalry. Florida's gonna play up for the game. It's a rivalry. Everyone's gonna play up to the game. And it's not like Clemson's a bad program suddenly just because they lost three or four games this year. That's still a solid program that's they were reigning ACC champions. They won that last year. I mean, again, I'll, I'll, I'll repeat it. I, I think any way you spin it, it doesn't make sense. You can go through all the numbers. I think David Hill's tweet the day of where he broke down, you know, the wins versus bowl eligible power five and strength of record. And, you know, whatever you could point to was was highly favoring the Florida State Seminoles. And so I think that's why people are left grasping at straws elsewhere is because on field performance, it doesn't make sense. I mean, Michael Alfred said it best. He said they they preferred to use, you know, what was it? Something around predictive matchups instead of evaluating on field performance. I think that is the biggest travesty out of all of this is that, you know, like Austin said, with all these justifications they're pulling out, the main one they're pointing to is that the unavailability of key players point allowed somehow allowed them to look ahead and somehow allowed them to predict what Florida State was going to look like once they got into the playoffs. Let me ask you something. When was the last time the committee predicted something with absolute certainty? 
I don't think ever, you know, I mean, so what makes you think that they can use their own self-created prediction of what Florida State would have looked like as the foundational basis for leaving them out of the playoff? You know, and I, I think that they got embarrassed last year by putting TCU in, even though they lost their conference championship. And this year they said, we're not going to do that again. And here you are in, in another controversy in the and spotlight, it, you know? And it's just crazy because are we forgetting that TCU went to the playoff and beat Michigan? I oh, mean, they won, they won a playoff game. Awesome. They, they earned the right to go to the national championship. <laughs> and nobody predicted that they were going to do that. Everybody be- said the same thing. They're going to lose by three scores. They're going to lose by 40, this, that, the other. They played in the final game. And everyone talks about Michigan's Vaughn defense. They gave up 51 points in a playoff mm-hmm. game. And they're the number one team in the country now. So I, I, it's all just—it's all ass backwards, in my opinion. And we we got away from the system to prevent things like this, but then we let thirteen people in a conference room with human bias make this yeah. decision. I yeah. think it's—I think it's become clear at the very least that the playoff committee has to be abolished, and there has to be some other kind of metric that they put together to judge the system. Because how about any metric? I mean, the you fact get bad at go back the, to the BCS. I mean, when you allow you get bad at numbers, yeah. It's better to let a computer and a system decide than people who can be swayed by their own biases. You know, I'm, I make mention of it and yet another safer too. And yet another long article writing, I make mention of how like they wanted to move away from the rigid numbers because it couldn't factor in the intangibles, right? But what the committee has shown us is they just went to the complete opposite end of the spectrum. Like they're they're not looking at those same numbers. They're looking at eye test and and quality losses, whatever the hell that means. And, uh, you know, these things that were not listed in the criteria for when they first created the committee, you know, strength of schedule, win-loss record uh, was the first thing that they mentioned. Things of that nature. We've, we've gone so far away from what I think it was intended to be. And it's just, it's a system on a faulty foundation of human error. I, I think you're always going to get controversy as long as this is the format. You know, I, I it's Florida to... State this. It's Florida State this year. Who is it next year? And next year is worse. You're picking between twelve and thirteen. You know, you don't have one loss or one you know undefeated to lean on. You don't have conference championship as a decider at the twelve to thirteen spot. What makes you think it's going to get any easier after this year? I I, I highly doubt it does. And the thing. Oh. The one difference, well, there's a couple differences, but the main difference between Florida State and Alabama and Texas, besides that those other two schools both have one loss, they're each going to be in the SEC next season. Mm-hmm. I want to go back to the TCU yep. point real quick because nothing has pissed me off more than people going, ah, we don't, want a, we don't want a TCU to happen again. Did you know last year was the only year we've had a, two competitive semifinal games? Because it's true. 2014, Oregon beat Florida State 59-20. to 2015, both games were blowouts. Clemson beat Oklahoma by 20, and Alabama beat Michigan State by 38. 2016, Clemson shut out Ohio State 31 to nothing. 2017, Alabama beat Clemson 24-6. to 20, 2018, Clemson beat Notre Dame 30-3. to 2019, LSU beats Oklahoma 63-28. to 2020, Alabama beats Notre Dame 31-14, to and Ohio State beats Clemson 49-28. to 2021, Alabama beat Cincinnati 27 to 6, and Georgia beat Michigan 34 to 11. 
Last year was the only year we've had a competitive semifinal out of all of these years. And people are like, ah, we don't want TCU. I would be thrilled with the TCU situation right now. Two competitive semifinal games, and I get what the the championship ended up becoming. But if you go back to even to the BCS days, it's rare we get competitive national championships. The average margin of victory in conference championships is two touchdowns. Or national championships, mm-hmm. two touchdowns. People need to give up on this. We want competitive game scenarios. We don't get it that often. Maybe one every three years we get competitive national championships. It's that I, I hate how much goalpost shifting has gone around this, these last three days because everything they've brought up has not been the precedent in years past, like Dylan was right. saying. It's, it's just I, it has not been the case. It's blatant and it's blatant goalpost shifting. And the moment you say something about it, it's oh, you know, get over it, Florida State fan. Like this happens to people. It doesn't. I don't know. It's never I, it happened to anyone. Right. <laughs> That's the president. It's never happened to any undefeated power five, you know, but I think, I think there are significant ramifications to the decision they made, right? There's significant things that change as a result of this decision alone. And I think part of what Dustin said is how, you know, what, I think the statistic I could be wrong, wildly off base was something like nine of the top 12 are either big 10 or sec or head 12 of the year. top 13. There you go. 12 of the top 13. So essentially the message they sent this year by leaving out the one exception is that we, this isn't a power five anymore. Yep. That ACC's football is so inferior to the other, the other conferences. And I'm not even going to count the big 12 because Texas is going there next year. So let's just say it for what it is. It's two conferences in the final right now. It's a power two. They just, they just created the power two and they mm-hmm. put it on blast for everyone to see. Yep. yep, they've shown that you can go undefeated, you can win your conference, you can have three wins, not not just top 25 wins, but three wins over top 25 teams in the final college football playoff poll. And if you're not in the SEC or Big Ten, you are not going to make that college football playoff. It's unbelievable. It now makes it uncompetitive for Florida State. We've already seen these arguments, you know, since going back for years now, but before the year was when FSU really fired that public shot at the ACC. Mm-hmm. And I think now there's there's so much ammunition in the bag and the evidence that Florida State, they've got to do everything that they can to get into the Big Ten or into the SEC as soon as possible. It doesn't matter how much money they're going to have to owe um, for that grant of rights agreement, even though it goes till 2036. If you remain here, it's just going to get worse. I'm curious. Real quick on the grant of rights, I'm curious if there's any kind of like breach of trust <laughs> statement in there, you know, and Florida State can go to it and say, you know, ESPN completely violated this trust agreement that we had by, by doing this. And maybe that's their way out. Going back to the, with the 12 team playoff, at least we're going to have automatic, automatic qualifiers now, where if you win your conference championship, you're automatically locked in. But how are we in 2023? And we're just now getting automatic qualifiers. Why is Division One FBS college football the only level of football that has subjective mm-hmm. yeah. ways into the playoffs? Everywhere else, NFL, FCS, Division Two, II, Division Three, high school, it's all objective. You win and you're in. It's very simple. Why does it come down to 13 people that are going to be in hospice care next week making these decisions? <laughs> Hopefully. Damn. Like, whoa, whoa. It, it just. We and the, the sad thing is we we all saw this coming when it was announced as a four team playoff in 2012. We all saw it coming. I was like, uh, is, there's five conferences. Shouldn't there be more than four spots? It doesn't make much mm-hmm. sense. But it's not took until, much of brains. 
it took really until this year for it to be the biggest issue. It was a little bit of an issue in 2014 because you had Baylor and TCU who were 11 and one teams and TCU didn't win. I don't, I forget which team actually won the conference that year. Cause it's just been a, a couple of days, but they could have been in the argument and Ohio state with a third string quarterback gets in because they blasted Wisconsin in the conference championship game, you know, 59 to nothing or whatever it was. But what we all knew this was going to be an issue and they still, they, it ended up happening to Florida state. And both times it has happened to Florida state in 2014, they were an undefeated 13 and 0, the only undefeated team. And they get knocked down to three because eh, they didn't pass the eye test. They made up this game control statistic. This year, Florida State's the first undefeated power five. Let's just put quotes around it because obviously we all agree they've set the precedent. The ACC isn't a power five anymore. They're the first team, the first power five team out of the top four. I just they've done it to Florida State twice now, and Florida State already raised hell at the beginning of the year, saying, "Hey, I don't know if we could be competitive in the ACC," and they caught a lot of flack for it. And if we're if we're doing our tin hat conspiracy thing, I think that kind of counted in this because Boo Corrigan's an NC State guy. He doesn't want he, he doesn't want people bashing his conference like Florida State just did. He'd be like, ah, eh, let's stick it to him real quick. But, but he'd rather sign. He'd rather sign the death warrant. He'd rather sign the death warrant to the to to set to the conference. Like, how does? Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, which I'll bring up. I'll go to rant with the ACC later, but I know we've got some other stuff to go to. Um. Yeah, I'm gonna share this video. That was just posted on Twitter, actually. Hopefully, audio will work. Y'all let me know. But this is from Herb Street. So this is uh, this is well in the middle of November. I believe this is on November 14th. So this is on the Tuesday before the North Alabama game. This is before Jordan Travis was hurt. But let's hear from Kirk Herb Street. I can't hear him at all. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. not working. No, it's not working. Hold up. You always do this. I, I don't know. It Streamyard needs to get a grip. Be better, um, Logan. Be better, Streamyard. I wish Kurt Bergtree would open his mouth and nothing would come out. That'd be perfect. <laughs> that'd, that'd be, be amazing, considering what we've got in the last three weeks. Wouldn't that be great? Here you Texas go. is kind of there boxed. There's one uh, one metric, but it's not the only metric. So I'm just like you guys. I'm assuming Texas is kind of boxing Alabama out. But if you keep winning and bouncing off of guardrails and Alabama keeps getting better and better, it's worth at the very least a discussion there at the end. And what if both of them box out someone that was undefeated? That could happen too. We yeah, could have a lot to talk about on selection day. <laughs> yep. That's right when Reese flipped on Florida State. He uh, this whole we put out multiple articles and through them to the middle of the season, we were putting out tons of content around Reese Davis and his, his off-season podcast, Dustin, he was talking about it, saying Florida State, Jordan Travis, potential Heisen winner. Florida State's going to make it into that college football playoff in that top four. And some flips right right around here where now Alabama maybe has the chance to come back into this college football playoff picture. And this is kind of where this narrative uh, begins. You, you never you never know. Let's Florida State don't want to hear that, Reese. That's not what <laughs> I didn't hear. call any names. Yeah. No head-to-head is one uh, one metric. But it's not. We could have a lot to talk about on selection day. That could happen too. We could have them boxed out someone that was undefeated. Reese Davis, man, he's a sly. He's a sly. We could have a lot to talk about on selection day. But but it's so blatant, right? I mean, like, these are the same guys who all season long they said, 
listen, this is this is your task. Go undefeated, win your conference, and you'll you'll play in the college football playoff. And so that's what that's what Florida State did. They said, you got it. That's exactly what we're gonna do. And what you you expect them to be okay that this happened? That two teams who already played each other and settled it on the field are given the opportunity to potentially rematch each other in the same year? Nobody, nobody gets that. I mean, nobody, it just, again, I'll keep going back. It doesn't make sense. Any way you spin it, there's logical fallacies written all over the place. Which if the whole objective is to find the best teams, we already know Texas is better than Alabama. They beat them by 10 in Tuscaloosa. Right. It's right. not like it's a neutral field or is in DKR Memorial. I was in Tuscaloosa and it wasn't close. Like that was Texas whooped their ass most of that second half. And I if, think and it, so if the goal is to find the four best teams, we don't know someone is better than Florida State. We haven't seen it. We know Texas. It's not like it's not even like Texas was the one or the two seed, and you could argue Alabama's in. They barely squeaked in as a three seed. So why is Alabama who already has proven that they're 10-point dogs, and don't give me that the game happened in September shit. Boo Corrigan said, it doesn't matter when the game is played, the game is played. Right. So I, I that's the one thing. Well, I guess there's a few things. But it's <laughs> that's that's one of the things that made zero, zero sense to me. You know what? I'll say, I'll say something else. I'll take it a step further. I think we've hyper-focused on this whole Alabama versus Florida State conversation a little too much. Texas lost to a – you know, mid thir- mid tens, mid thirteens, Oklahoma team. Yeah, but at least that's at least that's a rivalry game. Oklahoma, Texas delivers nine times out of ten. Like that's always a great game, no matter how good or bad the teams are. Oklahoma's still a solid team, and it was at least on a neutral field compared to getting compared to losing at home. Like I said earlier, Al- Texas is only three because they had to put Alabama in the Kenko. Uh, we'd have to ignore the head to head if we don't put Texas in. Mm-hmm. Dude, did y'all see also, man, when we were, I don't know if y'all noticed this, but every time behind uh, Kirk Herbstreet, he's got the helmets there at the top yeah, four. They're all, and they're always and one when I saw it on Sunday, I was just about to text. I was driving, getting back home. But I was just about to text uh, Dustin and be like, trash it all. Put put he's, trash he's, all. Everything in the drafts, trash it, brother. This mother, he's, uh, he's clairvoyant. He's already got the top four teams up there. And I love the whole, we don't know, we don't know. That's, I mean, we oh all my know. God. All of them That's... know. Everybody knows. It should be no shocker to anybody. And I love, too, also ESPN's social media just eating every bit of it up. They're just eating. Oh, they, eating they, they had the Isaiah Thomas meme ready to go, and I was ready to throw my phone at somebody. I was so mad at that. Oh, my God. <laughs> Need to go back through those uh, six playoff shows and see if the helmets are right every single time because for the most part they match up, well, yeah. And in, in that clip that he just showed, I'm pretty sure it was right for yeah, that week. It was. Yeah, yeah, it was. But I'm going to go and find it here. I'll find it. You can't hide. So now I mean, it's just a, week by week. just a slap in the face to what we call a team sport. This isn't a quarterback versus quarterback sport. I get Jordan Travis went down, but you look at Florida State's offense, still littered with guys that are going to be playing in the NFL We've already talked about the defense. I mean, it, it kind of speaks for itself. Multiple guys from that unit are going to be playing professional football um, in 2024. This was a team that had three consecutive wins to end the regular season and the conference championship game by three different quarterbacks. I mean, that's the epitome of a team for 
them to go out there with Tate Rodemaker went on the road against UF, cover the spread, by the way, and then do it the next weekend where, you know, we haven't had any availability with the players yet this week, but hoping that we can learn how soon did they know that Brock Lynn was going to be forced in there for his first career start. I have to imagine, you know, it was was maybe the middle of the week or maybe even right up before that game, whenever it was announced on ESPN and everything that Tate Rodemaker would be unable to go. But a true freshman, first start, he's only played two significant snaps in his college career, goes out there in the ACC championship. I know he didn't have a, a good game, but the guys around him stepped up and helped guide the team to victory where they once again cover the spread. So we're talking about an elite team, not just one player, a team. And for those guys to get disrespected and held out like that, and I think we all kind of know, we'll talk about later how it's going to end here in the Orange Bowl. We're seeing guys hit the portal and Johnny Wilson opted out. I don't think he'll be the last player to do so. It's it's just unfortunate for it all. Have You had the apex there on Saturday night. Everyone's celebrating there on the field in Charlotte, and 12 hours later, the bottom falls out. Yeah, I I think it's a it's a slap. You said it's a slap in the face. I think it's a disgrace to competitive sports as a whole. Um, you want to talk about stories or you know storylines? Michigan was trying to rally the rally the team behind a head coach. The fact that their head coach couldn't coach a few games, and everyone was eating it up. They said this team's got grit. This team's got heart. They're figuring out ways to win. Isn't it more of an impressive story that here's Florida State who loses their definitive guy. Here's the backup. He gets it done. He goes down. Here's the third guy. He gets it done. I mean, isn't that like mm-hmm. Hollywood doesn't write movies? You would think better than that. And yet here we are punishing this team for the exact thing these movies are made of. Um, I think it's a disgrace that they discounted this team in a room before they allowed them to go out there and prove that they could, you know, hang with the best. Something that they've proven all season long already. Um, I think competitive sports is the nature of competitive sports always surrounds that unpredictability and to try and predict everything to the, to the minute detail and then say, you know what, just because we think that's going to happen, you don't get that chance. That's not what, that's not what games are about any games a chance, you know? So. What kind of message has been sent to Florida state's players and Florida state's coaching staff to do everything right the whole season to overcome all of the adversity in their path to get this team through an undefeated regular season and a a 13-0 record for the first time since 2014. And this is what they're left with. I mean, imagine the guys on this team, they're going to come back next year. Does this change the mindset at all of Florida State? You've really got to wonder. I mean, I've got to imagine that the last couple of days have been really tough for I mean, everybody involved from this program, not only the fans, obviously, but players, staff, coaches, families around the team. I mean, just everybody. It's It's been devastating. So you've got to wonder, what are what's the after effects going to look like here moving forward? It's it's It really is unbelievable. I know we've said it a few times, but, you know, the committee had a very e- easy decision. I know we've said they've had – or people have said they've had a tough decision. They had a very easy decision. Put in three undefeateds, put Texas in, honor the head-to-head. That's the easy decision. That's the correct decision. And people, like you just said, Florida State did everything they possibly could and still didn't get in. That's been another big arguing point for me is what do you want – what What could you have asked of Florida State to possibly be better? 
because you can't control injuries. You can't control some of these other stuff. They just continue to win games. That's what they can control. If you keep an Alabama out, you can point and go, ah, beat Texas, and you're in. Or if you keep Texas out, you can point and go, ah, beat Oklahoma, and you're in. It's very simple. It's a very simple solution to all of this. And what the what the committee has done at this point is saying, you know, it doesn't matter if someone gets hurt. They're not as good, clearly. It doesn't matter that they're going to get a month to practice and get used to playing with the first team. And you get know, healthier, we've, too. We've seen, what this, we've seen what this team is. Yeah. Get, get healthier There's as some, well. A lot Without, of guys dinged up. College football has been famous for some of these, you know, backup third string guys. You know, leading teams to success. We've seen it with Doug Flute with Boston College in the 80s. We've seen it with Cardell Jones in 2014. This is not new to college football. It's not like we haven't seen it before. We've seen backups have success. That's why college football is college football. It's why we all loved the sport. I don't know that we can say love anymore. Like with, with this kind of logic, the 2017 Philadelphia Eagles wouldn't have gotten in the playoffs because Carson Wentz got hurt week 14 and Nick Foles struggled the last Nick three Foles weeks. Have played. Tom Brady, one of the best quarterbacks in the history of the sport, got his start because Drew Bledsoe went down. Yeah, it's it's frankly unbelievable. <laughs> I know I'll be going to be saying unbelievable a lot, but it really is. Shoot, Troy, send us that article or wherever that said. Charlie Ward wants full access to the college football playoff committee. Means yeah. that's an article right there. That's a quick hitter. But uh, I saw Charlie after the game, though. He was very ecstatic, but. The next day, probably not so happy, but he was down on the field celebrating. I'm, I'm curious to know what you guys think, um, because I think a few people have called for it, at, at least today I saw, I forget where it was, and then Charlie Ward right there. What what about the transparency of this process? Because the AP poll, we know exactly who votes where. Coaches poll, same deal. Uh, the transparency behind the BCS is left to be debated, but at least we know it's some sort of computerized program. What do you think about transparency needing a place in this process with the, the committee? I think, especially in something like this, where clearly they have this much power, should there be transparency? Yes. Will we get it? I don't know that we will, because I don't know if what they use to vote on keeps track of who votes for what. So unless each committee is going to honor exactly what they voted for, I don't know if we'll ever get that. All right, I was just looking for that uh, the Charlie Ward interview there, but that's some content for tomorrow. But um, I wanted to go to and this kind of transition us out. And we can still, of course, keep discussing. But recruiting wise, I keep seeing a lot of questions in here, and we also do have a donation. We need to jump in here from Corey Hall, and we're going to get to some of the opt outs. Really, just one so far that we've seen from Johnny Wilson not playing in this Orange Bowl game against Georgia, which is even crazy to think of. Just to say, even like if you were to say that offseason and tell me that you're going to face Georgia, but not face for you know a college football playoff game, this wouldn't be a college football playoff game. You'd be facing them in the bowl game. It just would be like, what the are you talking about, buddy? (laughs) Hey, but but we're somehow still better than them even without our quarterback. So it's it's wild, yeah. Still make that make sense. Still, still above them somehow. Um, but what does this do, do you think, to recruiting Dustin to, you know, you're you're in this world heavily. What do you what do you think this tells to recruits? What do you think Mike Norvell has to tell these players? Really big time class coming in. What do you tell them whenever now they're gonna be preached? Come to the SEC, you'll actually be able to play in the college football playoff. That's all they've got to say. That's all they've got to say. You can fight for a national championship. You can't go play in the ACC. You're not gonna go. Well, now you got 12 teams, but that's what he's telling him. He's like, well, it's, it's going to 12. It's going to 12 now. 
And they're like, well, what about if we have one or two losses, coach? Like, are we really think they'll put us in? You know, we got a big enough brand. We're going to bring enough ratings in, coach. But still, nonetheless, though, it's still an ACC problem. You know, like, what does that do for you and exposure as being a recruit? And you want to come in and, and have a solid career and you, you want to make it to that next level. But for some of these guys, you know, the big thing, they want to get a ring. There's a reason why Jared Verse came over to Florida State. He was thought that he'd have uh, as being the program as it is. And this is still Florida State University. Don't get it wrong, but you, you're 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 expected to come in here and fight for a national championship if or in a college football playoff berth if he went undefeated thirteen and zero this season won his ACC championship like he was told that would be enough to get in. No doubt, it's it's a really tough situation to kind of have to grapple right here before the early signing period. You know, just I, I believe I think two weeks away from today or so recruits around the country are going to be putting pen to paper. And now Florida State having to do some damage control. We're, we're seeing on social media, Mike Norvell and the coaching staff currently traveling around the country, meeting with commits and, and uh, still some uncommitted remaining top targets, things of that nature. And yeah, I mean, doing damage control. I've had some recruits actually, um, not going to name any names, but one of them I was talking to kind of annoyed on how they got did dirty my heart hurts for real. And that was actually from a, an uncommitted recruit that um, is considering Florida State. And a couple other guys, we've got our recruit reactions out on the site from uh, the ACC championship. But I added a couple in there that actually came in after the college football playoff. And there were people saying um, they deserved the college football playoff uh, invite. Couldn't believe that they were left out of uh, the field and just things of that nature. So I think recruits, if anything, right now are, are feeling – pretty bad for Florida State because I think normally whenever you're talking to these recruits, they're more level-headed than a lot of college football fans. And it's kind of impressive, you know, when you're talking about these guys that are 16, 17, 18 years old, still in high school, and they kind of they kind of see the game how it is. And I think a lot of them understand that Florida State, I mean, frankly, got screwed on Sunday, and they feel pretty bad for uh, the coaching staff and everybody. Maybe if they didn't have such a pansy of a commissioner in the ACC, so we maybe they, maybe they could have gotten in because you know we saw Sankey go on College Game Day, stay on his soapbox, and beg for SEC to get in the playoffs. Sunday after the playoffs are announced, not we don't get a statement, we get a text of a screenshot or a screenshot of a text from Jim Phillips, almost like a notes app almost. That was six sentences, and I'm gonna I'm I can actually read the whole thing because it's that short. It's unfathomable that Florida State, an undefeated Power 5 conference champion, was left out of the college football playoff. Their exclusion calls into question the selection process and whether the committee's own guidelines are followed, including the significant importance of being an undefeated Power 5 conference champion. My heart breaks for the talented FCU student-athletes and coaches and their passionate and loyal fans. Florida State deserve better. College football deserve better. It's a weak-ass no statement. No threats. Weak-ass statement from Jim Phillips. And multiple words I want to say, but I can't. But no, no oh, threat, nothing at all. You can say oh, whatever well, you want to say. I don't know that. which one you're going to say. I think mine was going to be pretty bad, but I can't say That's that. That's fine. I, I, <laughs> and this is this is this is no, far. No, there's, from... a, there's a word before they even there's a really bad word before just a regular kind of bad word. I want to hear it. <laughs> I can't. I can't. And, and, no, and it's far no, from no, the no, biggest, no. it's far from the I'm biggest miscalculation the ACC has had. This weekend, because I don't know if people saw my post on Twitter. The ACC had no idea what they were doing on Selection Sunday when it came to bowl games. 
They just thought Florida State's going to be in the playoffs, which, to, in fairness, we all did, but they didn't prepare for if they weren't. They had it ready for they, Louisville to go to the Orange Bowl, and they had all the following games lined up. Nothing else is going to happen. Florida State misses. Florida State is out, so they're shoved in the Orange Bowl. That just knocks everybody out of everything pre-planned that they had. And it ends up that Notre Dame, who they are responsible for, for fighting for a bowl game, where they go for their college bowl game is decided by a fucking hat draw. They drew their name. They drew a bowl game out of a hat to decide where Notre Dame was going. What are we doing? school fucking ticket giveaway. That's what happens when you don't fully join the conference. Should have just lit that hat on fire and said, you're not going any ball. I mean, honestly, but what it came down to was there was three bowl games and I'm trying to find exactly which bowls it was. Um, I know the it was bad the boy Sun- Miller's bowl that Miami's in on a Thursday yeah. at 2 PM. Are Miami fans yeah. going to be taking off work to watch that one? It was the, it's the Duke's Mayo's bowl. It was the Duke's Mayo Bowl, the Pinstripe Bowl, and the Sun Bowls were the three bowls that were the next year down that were deciding between teams. And the teams were UNC, Miami, and Notre Dame. Obviously, all three of them are going to go, yeah, we want Notre Dame. We didn't even know they were going to be an option. Of course we want Notre Dame. So they all threw their name in. But if you go back to this, I guess it's technically the Pop-Tart Bowl now. The Pop-Tart, the Gator Bowl, and the Holiday Bowl, they were told Notre Dame was off the table. You're not allowed to pick those. You're not allowed to pick Notre Dame. I, so I don't know what the hell the ACC was doing. Literally all Sunday. Mm-mm. You get a weak-ass statement from Phillips. They don't know where teams are going in a bowl game until 5 p.m. when everybody else has already decided by that point. I, ca- I cannot wait to get out of this conference soon enough. I don't care if it's the Sun Belt. I don't care if it's Division Two. <laughs> I don't care if it's Florida State 8A. Get us out of the ACC ASAP, please. I, I think – go ahead, Dustin. I concur. You're here. Does not have any idea what he's doing. I mean, he looked pissed off whenever he was giving over the trophy to Mike Norvell um, on the stage after the game. He he should be sucking Mike Norvell's balls. He should have been. been This is the biggest. This is Karen. You're back to Karen. You're back to carrying the league. You're back to carrying your conference. Who gives? Have fun sucking off Dabo. It's so much fun. He, He he. God lover. Save all Christ Almighty, but I think Michael Bell that, just saved your conference, buddy. And this big brand that brought all your ratings is back. You should be sitting down on your knees and loving. You should hand that on your knees to Michael Bell that Florida State is back carrying this conference. Because if it wasn't Florida State, you wouldn't be you wouldn't be anywhere. Because Dabo now he's going to try out the transfer portal here and there, but it, it's he's not going to find the same same success accelerated like Florida State is like it has now and the resume that they built to be able to bring in transfers. Like they they now can bring in a very good, talented veteran starting quarterback, which we'll probably see going into the 2024 season. This offseason, Florida State's going to bring in a, a highly talented quarterback, and they'll be able to do that for years to come. You know, Clemson's just going to result on whatever they do in the recruiting. If things don't work out, then it's not. But Florida State's going to stay on, on the top tier, definitely if it's at the top two teams no longer having divisions as well. I just think it's wild that he didn't put out a statement right there after the game. And how was he not on the national TV spot? Um, battling for Florida State to get at, to get in after all the propaganda that's going around. It's just wild that 
he just kind of sat around, twiddled his thumbs, waited until Florida State was left out of the playoffs, and was like, shit, let me put three sentences together real quick. Right. Shouldn't shouldn't the warning bells have gone off in his head the moment Greg Sankey was taking to the streets to to proclaim their superiority? Shouldn't that have triggered something in his mind to say, hey, listen, I have an entire arm of the ESPN network as well. Why don't we leverage that to to try and to try and fight this, you know, their campaigning? You know, fight fire with fire. You you put us into this deal with the grant of rights and you put us into this media rights deal so that you could create the ACC network. Why not, not use only, it? Not only did he release a weak statement, it took 45 minutes to get released. I didn't get that email from the ACC until one o'clock. The rankings came out like 1215. <clears throat> I don't, I don't know what he was doing and I, I cannot wait to get out of this conference. And I see you in the comment, Miami fan. Maybe if you weren't so bad, right. Florida state would be in the playoffs. Maybe if Florida wasn't so bad, Florida State would be in the playoffs right now. Just say it. Just say it. And and to punish to punish Florida State because a lot of you you are you know scroll around the internet right now. Everyone's saying, well, don't play such a weak schedule. What do you want us to do about it? We spent the entire offseason saying we're trying to get out of this conference. I mean, not even just exploring every opportunity on the field. We exhausted everything to try and give us the best shot to get into the playoff and. What you're going to punish us because we're we're stuck? Uh, I mean, it doesn't make sense. Uh, going back to you know the decision itself, Brian Kelly made a made a comment in, in a presser either today or, or or yesterday, and he said something along the lines of "You're splitting hairs between between the four and five. You're splitting hairs. If you're truly splitting hairs, shouldn't the hair you split be the win loss record? Uh, it shouldn't be anything other than that. I mean, so to to say. To say you should have played better people, I I call BS. I call BS. We we exhausted every sort of opportunity we could have, and we made it very clear during the offseason, listen, we'd be out of this conference tomorrow playing all of you guys if if we could. And what else could Florida State do? They scheduled a top 10 opponent on the road, and we're the only team to hold Jaden Daniels, you know, limit him at all, really, yeah. throughout the entire season. A guy who might, who yeah, might win the Heisman. A little trophy or something like that. I don't I mean, he's been absolutely ridiculous this season outside of one game. And, and Adam Fuller owned him. His touchdown pass in that game came against third-string true freshman. Garbage at time. the very Garbage end of it. Time. Florida State went on the road and beat Clemson in Death Valley, the only team that's done so this season and one of the only teams to do so in the last decade. I mean, you can count the number of teams on your hand, I believe. Uh, They can't really help that the other teams on their schedule, like Miami underperformed, UF underperformed. um, Louisville lost the week before playing Florida State. If Florida State gets a top 10 Louisville in the AC championship and wins 16-6, to are, are they in? I don't think do they do a solid squad until Riley Leonard went down. Yep. I mean, that's just an unfortunate, you know, circumstance there for them. Duke had one loss coming into Tallahassee. I mean, what are you supposed to do that Riley Leonard's leg? Got Mike Elko, who just got hired in the SEC at Texas A&M, their next big boy head coach up there in College Station. And how many teams did Florida State play against that are going to make a bowl? Because they, they beat more bowl-eligible teams than any FBS team in the country. But we're sitting here talking about FSU's strength of schedule. I but mean, again, it, it doesn't. But add again, up. it should. We shouldn't even have to. It, it boils down to something way simpler, right? There was a zero. That in they the got screwed. Column. Yeah. There was a zero in the loss column, and and the two teams that are in three and four already played each other. 
I mean, like Austin said, it was a no brainer. It, it was a no brainer and there's no other way to rationalize it other than to say they, they picked who they wanted and they made Jordan Travis the scapegoat for that decision, which That's is all they relied on. Disgusting. Since we're talking about schedules, I feel like none of us have poked a hole in Alabama's schedule yet. So let me do that. Let me go ahead and do that for you. Did you know every single ranked team they played this year was at home? Ole Miss was at home. Texas was at home. LSU was at home. And there was one other one. I already forgot it. Tennessee, which I don't count Tennessee as a ranked team. Let's be completely honest. It's a joke that they're a top 25 team. embarrassing year for them. They're non-conference. Texas, they lost by 10. USF, it was 10 to 3 with five minutes left in that game. Middle Tennessee State and Tennessee Chattanooga. Florida State did they showed growth they did everything they could to schedule tough out of tough non-conference. Alabama did the exact opposite. They played the Texas game. Cool. You lost. What else are they doing? They're not doing anything. And it was a pretty bad year for the SEC. And you look at those games that Alabama didn't play in the ranked games. It took everything they had in them to hang on to that Texas A&M game. And Jimbo Fisher was doing everything he could not to win that football game. It was the least competitive, competitive game I've ever seen. They were up 24 to 6 over Arkansas and then got lazy, and Arkansas almost came back and won that game one by three. Kind of reminiscent to the Boston College game, if you want to think about it. But that game was at home for Alabama, not on the road like it was for Florida State. And then it took the miracle of all miracle fourth and 31 plays for them to beat a bad Auburn team that got blown out by New Mexico State two weeks ago. It wasn't was that, like that was in October or September. That game just happened. Was that Auburn's if, revenge for 2013? If Auburn catches a punt or catches. has half a brain cell on that final play, Auburn wins that football game. It took every miracle Alabama had left in them to win that football game. And then they go beat Georgia, who I don't even think had Brock Bowers or Ladd McConkie in that game. I could be wrong. But it's not – Oh, yeah, they, well, they didn't have a fully healthy Brock Bowers. Yeah. So it, it's not as strong of a schedule as people are making out to be. I keep seeing fifth strength of schedule. I would love to play every ranked team I play at home this year. That'd be amazing. I would love <laughs> to I would be, love to play Vanderbilt and Tennessee and Texas A&M every year. That'd be amazing. Do do people think like schedule? strength of schedule some permanent, you know, some permanent immovable statistic right i mean how do you not factor in this how well the conference is doing that year the acc was six and four against the sec the sec had an under 500 record against power five non-conference opponents i mean how do you factor in strength of schedule and and don't even look at the the overall strength of how that conference is performing that year everyone unequivocally agrees that the sec had a down year great why are we value valuing them still just as high because we're working off some preconceived notion that it just means more? No, that's not how this works. If they're having a down year, then they don't get valued as high. It's it's simple math. Math turned into money. Yeah, no. The, very the only quickly. math that mattered was the bottom line. Very quickly did it turn into money. It's it's a shame. I I just I don't get it at all. I I we've we've all had the argument of best versus most deserving and Whatever else, I even if we're going by four best, I don't know if Alabama's one of the four best teams mm-hmm. this year. But all all of that controversy around best versus most deserving, it didn't matter at the end of the day anyway, because they just pick who they wanted. Yep. 
And and to me, it, it felt like more of a decision like, listen, these are the four teams we want. Let's create justifications to explain why we left Florida State out. Why, you know, I'm sure Georgia fans are, are just as upset, right? I mean, I don't know about just. <laughs> I mean, not just. I'll, I'll, okay, they're upset. They're upset. You have one loss. It's the very last game of the year, and it was by three. You know, I mean, I, mm-hmm. what wow. do you point to? And what do you co- point to in this situation? Coaches poll two, Florida State went up a spot to number three. AP poll at number four and college ball. PCS number four. Put him at number five. And that, that yeah. margin was slim in the BCS between three and five. Like it was all very close. I think they were separated by less than, what would that be? A, a hundredth of a point. If I'm doing my decimal places correctly from middle school and high school, it's been a while. Uh, but there, it was a slim margin. Like it, it wasn't like it was that Alabama was far in front of Florida State in the BCS. And, you know, I, to this day, I still don't understand why they didn't make the BCS the playoff system. Just have the BCS decide the top four. It takes away all bias. You know, tweak some things in the in the computations here and there. Like I think head to head needs to matter a little bit more in the BCS. But other than that, for the most part, the BCS did a fairly good job of getting the correct two teams at the end of the day. Yeah. It wasn't always perfect, but nothing ever is, and it's far better than what we've got now. I mean, people were clamoring for a playoff not because the the BCS rank you know way of ranking teams was so horrible. It was the fact that it was only two teams, and and people yep. sometimes felt that three, four, five maybe should have gotten a chance. I I think creating the committee just, you know, it, it got rid of something people didn't totally have an issue with and it created a laundry, uh, a laundry list of issues. Um, that person up there said collusion is illegal. I think it's, I think it, it goes back to, I think it was a board member for Florida state said when they were having that meeting about trying to exit the conference that we can't keep thinking about college sports as just extracurricular activities anymore. College football is big business. You know, so a decision like this, if they if they end up do finding this one day, yeah, collusion behind the scenes, affecting something with this much financial impact, it totally feels illegal, and I think that's why everyone feels so unjust and and so wronged by this decision. Yeah. So with that, you know, we're going to continue to have this discussion throughout the next couple of weeks. Florida State doesn't play in its bowl game until December thirtieth. They'll be playing at four p.m. against Kirby Smart. And the Bulldogs, which man, if you would have told me earlier in the end the season that they'd be facing Georgia, man, it, I knew it, it'd be a pretty damn competitive battle. But two big time brands going at it, and we'll be down there to cover that one in Miami in a few weeks. So we'll have our full thoughts on that matchup. But I want to get into some transfer talk, um, which has been pretty heavy over Twitter <laughs> almost just a couple of days after. Florida State won their ACC championship. I'm going to start naming off some guys here that have officially actually entered the transfer portal. Bless Harris, Florida State's offensive tackle. Dachi Richardson, a young uh, Florida State offensive lineman, also entering the NCAA transfer portal. Quashan Sapp, someone that was getting some backup reps here and there, youngster at the center position. Uh, he's entering the transfer portal. Marquiston Douglas, which we'll discuss here in a minute on that. Uh, Florida State's tight end, kind of two, three there this season. A.J. Duffy, Florida State quarterback. C.J. Campbell, Florida State running back. Preston Daniel at that tight end position. Dylan Brown-Turner, a true freshman 
linebacker, and then Winston Wright Jr., who left the program um, early in the season. But these gentlemen have officially entered the transfer portal, and then there is some drama on the Twitter webs. Feels like last year a lot, and one of the big names here, obviously, is with Pat Payton, Florida State star defensive end, opposite side of Jared Verse, who's been an absolute playmaker throughout this last stretch of the year for the Seminoles tweeted that he was intending on entering the transfer portal, but since then has been deleted as of today, something to monitor. And Ayabame Tafasi also announced that he's going to be entering the transfer portal, but not official yet. Gentlemen, first off, let's jump right into, um, let's jump right into AJ Duffy here. And we'll kind of go through maybe Douglas and, um, that's about it, really. And then we'll go into Pat Payton. But A.J. Duffy, in the transfer report, I don't think this is much of a surprise to anybody. Dustin, you've been at practice. You see him more than any anyone here. But just going off of what I saw last year, practices, and hopefully seeing a progression from him, and then also then seeing Brock Glenn get third-team reps over him, you just kind of got the notion that that was it for Duffy and Tallahassee. The writing was kind of on the wall there whenever – they started Brocklin over a guy who had already been with the program for um, a whole season. So, you know, it didn't work out for Duffy in Tallahassee. We'll see if he's able to find somewhere and earn more playing time elsewhere. Yeah, very simple. Once you, once you saw Brocklin getting the snaps over him, that we all accepted that he was no longer going to be a part of this team. Mm-hmm. Then also Marquise and Douglas also entered the transfer portal And this one might have been a little bit more of a surprise, but maybe understandable due to the recruiting and what you've got in Landon Thomas coming in. He was going to be a big-time factor in Florida State's offense under Mike Norvell moving forward. But still, Marquise and Douglas, someone a big-time fan favorite, really reliable, kind of was a quarterback's go-to at some points uh, throughout his career. Definitely having a big change in his body from last season, changing up during that offseason and really became – uh, a, a nice factor in that offense where I think defensive coordinators kind of forgot about him at times. Definitely when you have a guy like Jaheim Bell there, South Carolina transfer to hide end that came in and has, has, has had some big time plays for Florida State, but wasn't healthy throughout the rest of the season. What do you all think about Mark Easton Biscuit as this tight end room goes into 2024 specifically? A little surprised about this one. Mark Easton Douglas, obviously a guy who's been in this rotation now for two consecutive years and had some really positive moments, not only as a receiver, but also really helping Florida state out there in that block in that, uh, blocking game. And yeah, I think this season, you know, you're bringing in the two transfer tight ends, Jaheim Bell and Kyle Morlock. Those two guys have assumed the biggest roles on offense. And you look at Marquise and snaps this season compared to last year, only was on the field about half the time went from over 400 snaps in 2022 to, just 210 this season, whereas Morlock and Jaheim Bell both had 450 plus. So he just didn't get as much playing time. And you've got to wonder if maybe potentially bringing those guys in from the portal, then seeing his role fall off a little bit, kind of gnawed at him a little bit with what he's been able to come back from throughout his career at Florida State. Had a heart ailment um, early on in his career that limited him, was able to overcome that, and then now, you know, become a consistent face in this lineup, but he's going to be someone, you know, that's going to pick up some interest in the transfer portal. We've already seen Arizona state uh, and old friend, Kenny Dillingham extend a scholarship there. So 
Marquise and Douglas, someone that can be productive and has success, have success at the FBS level. And, you know, definitely rooting for the guy. He's a good kid. Yeah, it's it's definitely a surprise. You know, you're, you're looking at next season, you're like, Morlock's clearly tight end one and Biscuit would have been tight end two. But, you know, clearly he wants a bigger role and I don't really blame him for it. You know, like you're saying, he saw his snaps go down and I thought it was pretty telling that even as Jaheim Bell was clearly dealing with injuries the latter half of the season, Biscuit didn't really play as much as we thought he would have. Um, you know, really in the last month of the season, the only time I remember on the field was that touchdown against Pitt. And yeah, you know, he's a good player. He really is. And, you know, even even now looking at the tight end room, losing Bell, you're going to have Morlock, though. And there's some other names there that you're like, you know, I don't know how good I feel about these guys being on the roster next year between Jackson West and Brian Courtney. You would have liked I, to have I, an experienced guy there. Jarrell Powers, baby. Jarrell Powers. Can't forget about Jarrell Powers. I'm high on Jarrell. Yeah, biscuits. Yeah, I know. Understand? There's no, there's no experience there that he has, or you know, not from anybody in that room behind those guys that we saw this year. I mean, biscuit leaving, it's, it strikes a chord, right? I, we talked about it offline a little bit. Like, great dude, love him. Good, great culture guy for the program. But I think it's a testament to the nature of where the game is at relative to the transfer portal these days. And um, I don't think he'll struggle to find find the right fit for him um, if that's if that's truly what he wants. Could that potentially be a sign Jaheim Bell's contemplating coming back for another year? He's already accepted that senior bowl invite, so I guess unless he doesn't show up there. Yeah, I wonder how much that really ties you down if the senior bowl, if you say yes or no, if you have to sign on a dotted line. I don't think so. Not very much. Something to watch. Jaheim, Jaheim to me, guys, hasn't been healthy for the last month or month and a half. Maybe month. Really at since, least months, man. You can just since tell. Before the I guess since the pick game, because he did have a pretty big role in the pick game. But after that, you know, Miami, he didn't get much touches. Florida, he didn't get married. He had a couple pop passes, but that was really the only time we saw him. And that seam pass, which was Tate's one good pass of the night. But yeah, other than that, we just haven't really seen him much mm-hmm. down the stretch. Yeah. Hey, hey. Just, I'd love it if it happened. FSU fans, th- FSU fans need like optimistic things to look forward to. So that was something good that you brought up there, Dustin. And then break their hearts here, and like tomorrow probably when he announces <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's it's... going to the NFL. And then we're everyone's going to come back and say, "Dustin, how could you? How, how did you yeah, break my heart, words? you asshole?" <laughs> if we're being super Journalism hypothetical, the lowercase J, <laughs> super hypothetical, a, a tight end room potentially of Jaheim Bell, Kyle Morlock, and Landon Thomas coming in as a freshman. So, you know, there's some excitement there for sure. Listen, it's a it's a far stretch from where we we used to be in the tight end room. No disrespect to those guys, but um, oh yeah. I've said it. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to it, it, it's nice to be at this point where now you're bringing in some really talented tight ends where you don't have to develop for two, almost three years, to be honest. Um, let's go talk about CJ Campbell because he's a player that needs to be talked about. He deserves a lot. Um, actually started in this game in the ACC championship. Yeah. A walk-on as a running back. Um, saw 22 out there, but just throughout his career, a phenomenal kid, someone that, um, was just coached really well by Coach Jack. And he's going to have a great opportunity wherever he goes. Obviously, it thins up a little bit there in that running back room with also Trey Benson uh, moving on as we're expecting. But, uh, yeah, C.J. Campbell, great kid, and is going to get a really, really good opportunity. I think how Treshawn Ward did from a, from a standout kind of university, mm-hmm. and they'll be able to utilize him. But really special playmaker and um, – just a, it's a jam-packed running back room, and, and you've got some some players coming in. You've got Cam Davis, who is going to take up a lot of playing time from some of these guys. 
this is what the transfer portal is really all about. You know, C.J. Campbell, a guy that joined Florida State as a walk-on and has become a productive member of that running back room, getting into the back end of the rotation, contributing across special teams um, during his time at Florida State. We've never really gotten clarification. I'm assuming, you know, whenever Treshawn Ward was promoted to scholarship after starting as a walk-on, that was a big PR thing for Florida State to put out. So I would imagine if C.J. Campbell had gotten the same honor, that would be something that would be publicly uh, have been publicly recognized. So CJ Campbell has just continued to be a valuable member of this team. Um, and, you know, now him showing what he's worth, you know, he's not able to get on scholarship really at Florida state right now, just because that backfield is so crowded, so many quality bodies. And you've got two more guys coming in that are going to be taking up scholarships on that 2024 roster. So this is a chance for him, a guy that has proved his uh, worth at the FBS level to enter the portal and get a scholarship somewhere and also a larger role. And we've already seen since he got in the portal just over 24 hours officially, already has some interest from programs such as uh, Florida Atlantic, I believe Arkansas State, um, UMass. So some FBS programs there, Valdosta State, FAMU, and there was there was at least one more that has offered him so far. But CJ Gamble picking up some interest. And I really believe, you know, when you're talking about the transfer portal and you have these guys who are walk-ons who come in and prove themselves, but can't get on scholarship, they can go somewhere else and get that opportunity to have their, their education paid for. I mean, that, that's what it's all about. Yeah, he's a good player, but when you're looking at a running back room next year, Lawrence Tofili, Keziah Holmes, Sam Singleton, Rodney Hill, Makai Danzi, and Cam Davis, it's not going to be a lot of carries in that group. And, and honestly, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not trying to, project anything i would be surprised if former guy ends up dipping from that room because there's so much talent it's unbelievable how talented that room is that's ridiculous what Coach Jack is not gonna have enough room what a testament to to the to the program you know that's the next walk-on guy to, to work his way up and get a chance elsewhere is um it's a good story good reflection of what's going on in, that, in that program mm-hmm. yep it does you know florida state has had a lot of walk-ins come in and get playing time turn into potential starters, and then also to get some good opportunities outside of Florida State if they do intend on entering the transfer portal. And you can just tell, too, Mike and Ralph has such a great relationship with these guys. And this back room, just like Green uh, saying here on, on YouTube, you know, this whole running back room is going to be filled with some competition, which is going to be really fun to watch because it was really solidified there by by Benson. But we saw a lot of Lawrence to Philly, but still nonetheless – Florida State is looking for their RB1 going into this 2024 season, and then it's going to be iron sharpens iron there for Coach Yak and company. Uh, I want to go to the tweets here because some of these other guys kind of maybe bless Harris. Is yeah, I feel that, like we should talk about a, him real quick. Yeah, yeah, definitely for that. I talk about Bless. Which, I'll, I'll be honest. You're there in that room. Yeah, I'll be honest. I didn't know Bless Harris still had eligibility. Um, when, when I saw the <laughs> announcement, I'm like, aren't you graduating? Or aren't you out of college eligibility? But it's pretty simple that he was expecting more playing time, and he got it the first four games. Then he was hurt the next couple of games against Virginia Tech and someone else. And then from there, his playing time just slipped. Like he'd see 20 snaps one game, then one snap the next, then six snaps and 21 snaps. And then he didn't even play against Florida. And Norvell is such a run-heavy play caller, and Blaise Harris just isn't a great run blocker he's a great pass protector but he's not great in the road game we've talked all year about how the counters and the powers were working as they should i'm not i'm not that surprised 
Yeah, he had that year of eligibility left just since he got injured in 2022, the very first game of the season. So yeah, I just I thought that's why he came back this year. That that's just where my mind had gone, but clearly not. So. But still, bless um, a valuable member of the program during his two years in Tallahassee, slated to be Florida State starting right tackle last year prior to that season-ending injury, and then this year um, had a couple of starts and was able to step in there. But like you said, Austin, playing time was a little bit inconsistent after that injury suffered. I mean, pretty much played, I think, over 50 or 60% of his snaps there in the first four games after that uh, a major drop-off. So I think it's unfortunate, you know, when you look at this roster in 2024 and we've seen this offensive line get beat up throughout the season, it'd be great to have as many quality bodies as you can, but also understand how it's Bless Harris's final year of eligibility and he probably wants to go somewhere where he's guaranteed a starting spot to get as much as he can on film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this, this, I mean, not to look so crazy ahead, but when we, we start getting to some of these camps too, when we get to spring, you know, that coach, uh, coach Atkins, he's, he's got a big group, but I think he's really got to work on solidifying what, what his, his, his five guys are going to be moving forward. I think there's a lot of change around it and it's, it's, it's worked for them so far, but I think just building consistency because this offensive line group wasn't that consistent throughout the season. I understand guys are dinged up your central guy in the middle there with Marie Smith was, was hurt for the latter majority of the latter half of the season. And he's been dealing with the injury uh, since last year, honestly, but having a contingent five that you're throwing out there on a daily basis. And I understand, yeah, health, health concerns and all this kind of stuff happens, but that's something I'd like to see a little bit more solidified going into 2024. Um, Because I think Toa also trying to get guys playing time and such, but it's just tough to, after a while, communication and definitely whenever you had the situation where you're throwing in multiple quarterbacks throughout the season, it's, it's, it's not easy to do so. But yeah, bless Harris. He is entering the transfer portal. And then the intentions, the intentions of Pat Payton. See a couple questions in here about Pat Payton, but tweeted that he was going to enter the transfer portal but that has been deleted. That was tweeted yesterday, late afternoon, and here we are. Pat Payton has not officially entered the transfer portal, but we've seen signs of this. This kind of happened last year, and we saw it kind of tumble once you know we saw the battles in, getting these contracts done or getting this uh, agreements done with some of these players and getting them money and, and being able to keep them at the university. And now I, you know, just hearing a few things, you know, Pat Payne's looking for a good, good amount, looking for a good amount of money to make a comeback. Um, but maybe putting the price a little too high, maybe a little too high to his, I guess now former teammate. We'll see if Jared verse plays, but maybe too close in the margins there. What Jared verse got package wise deal wise to come back for this 2023 season, gentlemen. That's, I mean, that's where we're at now in college football where yep, free agency, you can renegotiate after a good season and want more NIL money. Um, And you have to think at the same time, we're dealing with 18 to 21, 22 year old kids who maybe aren't always getting the best advice and making um, judgments based on an emotional whim. Remember, we're only... 72 hours out from Florida State receiving the most devastating news that 
I mean, this program has potentially ever received. I mean, that's a big thing for these guys to go through. And at the same time, a lot of these coaches are out on the road mm-hmm. recruiting and not there with the team. And I just feel like emotions, tensions can get so high at these certain points. Guys can get frustrated. And we've seen some of it come through on social media the last couple of days. I don't think anything that we see a player put out on social media is an end-all, be-all. That It's just kind of a place to go out and vent. And you know, we'll see if Florida State is able to get this situation under control and keep Patrick Payton on the team because they love Patrick Payton. Patrick Payton is someone homegrown at Florida State that this this coaching staff has developed and he's turned into a starter on a undefeated ACC championship team, a crucial member of the program and someone who is going to be expected to be one of the best players in general on this roster in 2024. You remember over the offseason whenever they had the uh, the press conferences, I believe in March or April for the game in Ireland, Patrick Payton was one of the guys that Florida State made available to talk that day. You know, obviously expecting him to be a member of the program moving forward, not only in the 2023 season, but at least another another year. So he's someone that FSU values a lot, not just on the field, but also off the field. And I think that's one, you know, they're not going to let him go without a fight. And he's also, you have, to, you have to keep in mind, he's close to that group of Josh Farmer and Terrell Jackson, who we saw play with it in the offseason a little bit last year. I don't know if, if they can't come to agreements with that payment or you seeing those guys enter as well. And now you're looking at a very thin front four. If that happens, I think it'll get done. But at the same time, you can't just give in and with these insanely high prices. If what we're if what's being reported is true, you know, at some point you have to set the standard of saying, hey, you know, you're a great player, but we can't pay you more than Jared Verse, who's going in the top 20 yeah. of the NFL draft. Like at some point that has to happen. But you know, like you said, you want to keep that homegrown talent. You want to keep the guys that you've developed. You don't want it to just be a roster full of transfers. Yeah, I think, uh, I, I, you know, the the striking difference is Verse, when he got that money last year, was already projecting to go in the first round anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, so they paid that money to a guy who was already getting that heat, and I don't see that same heat coming for Peyton this year. So, um, you know, the numbers are there. What is it? Twenty-seven tackles, uh, solo tackles this year. Six sacks, one forced fumble. Um, passes batted down. He, you know, he's he's definitely a presence in the backfield. Um, but man, different circumstance. You know, um, I don't like the move. I think, you know, how do you leave a, a program that has just sent two guys at your position to the league? I think there's a there's a larger and more sustainable payday right around the corner. Um, but again, like, like Dustin said, it's a testament to where NIL is at this year, or, you know, at, in, in the college game and, um, guys are gonna, guys are gonna want to get what they can while they are, you strike while the iron's hot. So they say, um, and that's just where we are. Especially, you know, they, they're seeing what the battle end is, but now that all these members have jumped mm-hmm. on board and I'm sure just like anybody else, they want to take advantage of that. Hell yeah, I would. Absolutely. I don't think I'd get anywhere close to maybe even a, 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 a like a quarter of a bag, but um, yeah, I'll take, I'll take one quarter of uh, Jared versus salary, please. <laughs> of a salary. Like a quarter, like a yeah. singular, like a, like a, a that queen. might be all we're worth. Honestly, that <laughs> might be definitely on the field. Yeah. Maybe we could work with uh, any of the administrative staff, but now on the field, that's all we're worth practically. But yeah, I think it's a lot, a lot of, a lot of quick things happening at once, man. A lot of quick things happen at once. You just like, you're just saying Dustin coaches are on the road. 
they're recruiting. A lot of things kind of stir up whenever the coaches aren't in town. They'll be back, I think, this weekend or something. They're going to be – things will kind of simmer down into – we've seen this before. But you don't want to let it linger into, though, like we we're talking about Joshua Farmer, Daryl Jackson, too, Shaheen Brown, too. You want to have him back as well. DJ Lundy, you got to have him back in that linebacker room, which is thin on experience. There's, there's just a lot of things. Sit back. Let's look at the numbers. It's just too many things happening at once, and it's easy to get pissed off. Every, everybody's pissed off right now. Everyone is. Look, and let I me ask you because I saw a comment like this in in the uh, in the comments just now. Mm-hmm. Is how long does that? How long does doing stuff like that, you know, this frequently pl- continue to play? Right, especially with someone like Mike, who's big on culture and big on buying and big on the work. How often can you continue to go back to the to the negotiation table and and call for more money before? Someone says, you know what? I get the feeling that this isn't this isn't the program for you. Kick rocks, you know? Well, I think Norvell can say if you're just gonna keep on you're one to push from let's just say you just want more NIL money. You want that, you want to feel like you're at you you should get paid this much per off of, you know, maybe looking at other players across the league and such. If you want to keep pushing it, pushing it, pushing it, I'll just go in the transfer portal and find another one of you. Plain and simple, like I've done the last three years. There it is. That's all I kind of need to say. Because then at some point, because there's, like you were saying, that question up there, does it hurt your team? Yeah, it starts creating a lot of question marks in there, which is really sucky because you just went on a 13-0 run. This culture is great and everything. But when money gets into it, which Florida State has done a good job and the battle's in and a lot of other things there that do a good job of, connecting these these players to making money that they deserve but at, at some point though how much are you just going to continue to deal with that until it starts messing up some stuff in your locker room and that right. at that point then i think norvell uh, we're, we're, we're done we'll, we'll move on from here no, you can't you can't and, be held hostage you know on a year-to-year basis by by moves and, like and, and 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 i hate to say it but Pat Payton's not the best person to be saying this kind of stuff at his position because of what Florida State's been able to bring in the transfer portal and have one-year starters and go get paid in the first round. And like Jared Verse will do this upcoming draft as well. Yeah, they're already looking at another D-end out there somewhere, right? And D-ends are looking at Florida Reportedly, reportedly. They offered offered the the guy from uh, Pittsburgh, Samuel. And defensive ends that aren't even in the transfer portal are, are... yeah, so the, the portal just opened one day. Been able to do. But we've seen this Florida State staff yeah. um, have discipline in these scenarios in the past. You know, you think two years ago, Jarvis Brownlee um, being removed from the team <laughs> during the spring eventually ended up at Louisville. Even this spring, uh, Derek McClendon and that whole situation with him eventually going to Colorado. Another another time where we've seen this coach staff put their foot and down. Amari and Cooper, too. Yeah, I mean, there were multiple guys really that went out the door to uh, Colorado alongside alongside McClendon, but you know, I think this coaching staff they they're going to know when the time is when they have to put their foot down and say enough is enough. But at the same time, this is what this era has created, and it's something that you're going to have to grapple with. Yeah, I, and this is a fan base to to go and hit the panic button real quickly, but it's just again, it's the nature of the game right now. 
Mm-hmm. One I'm keeping a close eye on. I've been doing this since just hearing things. This was at, actually when I was at practice. This was when it's spring camp. But uh, Ayobami Tafase, uh, someone that who I think all of us here think highly of as just being someone on paper and just physicality-wise, doesn't look like a true freshman. We've heard really good things about him. But it's still – no, it's not official yet that he's hit that transfer portal, but it's one that I would just continue to monitor that maybe he doesn't potentially actually go into that and end up leaving the program just some things that need to be configured, not maybe on the NIL side, but just understanding it's more of a, of a playing um, situation, playing time to me, at least from what just hearing things and being around the program. Could really but use you like that. You would love to have him in that. You want to have him for 2024. You would love to have that at his added depth. I mean, we know Fabian Lovett, um, Braden Fisk and Dennis Briggs, likely Briggs are, all going to be heading out the door for uh, the NFL following the season. I mean, depending on what happens with Joshua Farmer and Daryl Jackson, you're looking at potentially Malcolm Ray and Daniel Lyons as your two most experienced offensive linemen coming back in that interior um, next season, which, I mean, that would be crazy considering the depth that Florida State has had on the defensive line throughout this year. Been a major, major to that defense, but – Keeping a guy around like Ayobami Tafase, especially when you look at the the incoming recruiting class that Florida State currently has, um, that's a big prospect to have on your roster and someone that has shown a ton of promising qualities. And if he can develop, you know, has been banged up sometimes that have limited him, limited him during practice and obviously just behind a ton of quality players in that interior right now. But someone that certainly has a, a bright future in front of him. It's it's definitely one of those what happens with the rest of the guys. Because if Farmer stays and Darrell Jackson stays, you can afford to lose a guy like Tafase and just develop the younger guys behind him, let Malcolm Ray and Daniel Lyons take that next step up. If you lose those guys, that room becomes so weak so quickly. Just with all the experience you're losing. And I know you mentioned it real quick, but Des Briggs could possibly get a waiver and play next mm-hmm. season. So we'll see what happens there. But really uh, it depends uh, what happens with the other guys first. You know, and I think with fifth with Fisk leaving and um, Lovett leaving and Briggs potentially, um, considering how often we rotated those guys through on that line, I mean, it was it seemed like it was frequently we were just throwing guys in there. He stands to, I think, you know, staying another year, he stands to gain a lot of playing time next year, given how how many departures there are potentially going to be. I mean, it's not like they they don't rotate those guys in infrequently, you know. Like I said, that's nothing. I don't think it's NIL related. It's just things that just got to be talked to and figured out moving forward. Um, and then let's talk about Johnny Wilson. News today broke that from Pete Thamel of ESPN that he is going to opt out of the Orange Bowl. He'll be playing in the Senior Bowl, but he is officially declaring for the NFL draft, a player that transferred from Arizona State. And Coach Ron Dugans did a really good job of developing and finding a scheme fit for him in this offense alongside, of course, with Mike Dorfell, but made some big-time, big-time plays for Florida State throughout his career in Tallahassee. And now he's going to get a really unique opportunity in the NFL, which I'm really interested to see which, which offense is going to get him because he's a special player. And he's got the abilities and one thing that he's going to have to work on, though, is consistency with his hands. But you see that natural gift that he has and a lot more speed. That's something that 
when going to practice, we saw right off the bat, I was like, damn, that boy can move for what his size he brings on the, on the, on the field. And uh, he's done a really good job two yards after catch as well for his size. Um, but yeah, Johnny Wilson won't be playing against Georgia for the Florida State Seminoles, but he'll be in the senior bowl and is officially headed to the NFL draft. Obviously an inconsistent wide receiver at times, but just someone who is unique with the frame that he possesses and the catches that he's able to make when everything was clicking um, was really, really good for Florida State last year. You think back to that performance in the Cheez-It Bowl against Oklahoma where he really showed all of his ability and what he can do. Um, he's something special, but still has some things that needed to be developed, still needs to become more consistent as far as catching the ball and, and not letting the easy ones get away from him. Uh, you were hoping to see him improve on some of those qualities this year. Unfortunately, just those injuries, which, you know, never confirmed, but seemed to be he got two concussions and uh, about a three, three week span or so that kind of limited him there during the middle of the season. Um, only played in 10 of the 13 games. And I mean, really, if you want to say really like eight of 13, because both those games where he was injured, he got knocked out there right after halftime and, that was that was unfortunate, but you know, definitely a guy. I, he has a professional future ahead of him, and I think with him getting back healthy, getting a chance to go to the Senior Bowl, boost his stock, he's going to be someone that participates in that NFL Combine. Definitely think he'll be drafted there in the top 100. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of people be like, oh, "He should stay. He should stay." I never really saw that happening. You know, everywhere you're seeing he's a top 100, top 80 player. You know, it's day two pick, and there's no. There's no shortage of good receivers every year in the in the NFL draft. You just got to go when you can. And even despite missing three games this year, he was almost Florida State's leading receiver this year over Keon. I think he was only 20 or 30 yards behind him and three yep. less games played. And he was by far Florida State's leading receiver last year, more than doubled Pokey Wilson. You know, people are going to talk about the health, talk about the hands. He's a day two pick. That's what it is. I'm really curious to see how he tests in the combine. I don't think any of us are expecting him to go out there and blow it away, but he moves really well for someone that's 6'7", 230 pounds. You know, if he can find a way to squeeze in that mid-4-5 range, that's going to be a really, really good time for him. And he's got really good short area quickness, as we see on these hitches and the and these crossing routes. He's, he's a lot more agile than you expect of someone of his size, and I'm not surprised by the decision whatsoever. No, it doesn't, it doesn't come as a surprise. I think um, you can talk inconsistency all you want. Obviously, the... Only having two touchdown receptions this year jumps off the page a little bit. But again, Dustin commented how he, you know, only really eight games, only nine less receptions than Keon Coleman this year and a significant amount of less playing time. So, um, you know, he has a knack for finding the ball. And at the end of the day, you can't teach size like that. You know, you can teach, you can teach him and refine his skills. You, you can't teach the frame. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Someone will utilize him there. He's just too much of a red zone threat, which like y'all were saying, they're easy. Wide receiver in the NFL, it is a massive game changer for not just like an offense, but for a quarterback and success there. And then, too, also just as a team, it puts you in a really good spot. I mean, look at your team there. I mean, what's going on with Justin Jefferson now in Minnesota? He's coming back this weekend. He's coming back? Mm -hmm. It's only He's been back. two months. I know. I see him back. It's been a while. <clears throat> your team like. failed me in my survivor pool, Austin. I could have told you otherwise. You should ask me for advice first. In the Bears game, come on, man! How how could you guys? There's there's nothing like the Vikings and find a way to blow a Monday night game against the Bears. It's it's historic against a team that didn't score a touchdown. Tough. 
Sorry, VZ, I didn't mean to really bring you through this, but no, it's fine. It's fine. To watch. I, listen, I'm here to bash my Vikings. I'll do it anytime you want me to. <laughs> oh man, but um, yeah, let's uh, let, let's jump into some basketball here. You know, we've got plenty of weeks ahead before we have to really sit down and preview a Florida State versus Georgia game, which no one really wants to talk about yet. And there's too there's much nothing to preview. Uh, no time no one's going to be playing about. the starters. <laughs> there might not be anybody there. Who knows? I mean, we might just be there by ourselves. And we I've got eligibility left. Just on. saying. All right. Yeah. I I know Dustin definitely doesn't. Dustin, no eligibility whatsoever, right? <laughs> you might be pulling a Bless Harris, maybe, potential. It, here's a, no, it had to be a Demetri Manuel at this point. Yeah, I had multiple season-ending injuries. And the COVID year. Don't forget a COVID year. Oh, yeah, that's I a good point. That that's a good point. Oh, yeah. We all got a year. Maybe I can yeah. come back. <laughs> Oh, man. But like Shar's saying here on YouTube, wow. nobody talks about our basketball team. But if you're new to the channel, though, Dawson gives our rundown on basketball at the end of every episode. Also, too, if you're listening on, on audio versions on that platform as well. But, uh, yeah, let's talk about some basketball. And let's start off, too, with Cam and Fletcher. Really scary injury, which you were yeah. there in attendance for. Yeah, I don't even want to talk about the games. I just feel so bad for Cameron Fletcher. Um, he just announced yesterday that he's out with his second straight season-ending injury to the same knee, which we're, we're assuming it's the knee. Florida State hasn't come out and said anything yet. I don't expect we'll hear anything until maybe Saturday when they play USF. Um, just sucks, man. I was there last year at Virginia when he tours ACL. And, you know, at the time, there's optimism that, you know, it wouldn't be as serious as it ended up being with the tour ACL. This year, there was no chance. I mean, he had to be carried off the floor. Everyone was devastated in the locker room and in that back hallway. I just absolutely hate it for him. You know, less than a year after tearing his ACL at Virginia, I'm assuming it's ACL and some other stuff in the same knee 363 days later at North Carolina. You know, a year ago we were thinking, could this be Florida State's best player? Tears his ACL, recovers in an amazing time frame i mean it was nine months and he was back to to full action and i know coach am i've seen this i've seen this argument oh why did he come back so early coach am does not play people if there's any kind of doubt you know i've seen him sit raekwon grave for just somewhat complaining about his knee when he woke up in the morning one time if there was any doubt about his health in that knee he would have sat him like we saw with Jalen ganey to start this season Cameron Fletcher's a freak of nature and he was healthy in nine months and was able to play basketball again and, you know, contributed at times this year. And I absolutely hate it for him. I'm so sad to see it go this way. And I know he's, he's listed as a red shirts senior on the roster. Everyone was expecting him to get the, the medical red shirt for last year. At this point, I don't know if he's going to want to use it. You've had two season ending injuries on the same knee and who knows how bad the knee looks right now. So We'll see what happens, but I'm absolutely heartbroken for the kid. It's just sickening because he worked his whole way back, um, and then not even a year later, uh, goes down again. And you know, not not even just for him. I mean, it's a terrible situation for him. For him, but you go from the injury to Jordan Travis in football just a couple weeks ago, and then now you get to the basketball court and have another player suffer a terrible season-ending injury. I mean, it's just just sucks all the way around, especially with some of the promise that this Florida State team was beginning to show early in the year. And, you know, you were hoping a guy like Cam Fletcher just getting back from that original injury as time continued to go on, he would get back further into a groove and 
be uh, be an important player for this team moving in, into conference play and the remainder of the year. And instead, you know, just a, a meaningless injury once again saps it all away and sucks for the kid. What do you think about that Georgia game, VZ? It was brutal. I mean, Florida State was up 17 with less than eight minutes left, I want to say. And, you know, win probability was 99.3%. If you look at Kempom, it's the second lowest win probability of the season where the other team won. Um, you know, I was getting texts all night right before it gone. Yeah, this is what we expected. It came down to Florida State couldn't make shots in the first half. I know what I'll talk about the run in a second, but Georgia could not hit the broadside of a barn with a baseball from two feet away if they tried in that first half. But neither could Florida State. You know, both teams were standing in the middle of the ocean on a boat and somehow hitting land. Like it made absolutely no sense. Um, once that once Baba Miller got fouled out, and I've even talked about this with some people at Carolina. Once Baba got fouled out on a ridiculous call on a double foul where he had the ball and Georgia fouled him and somehow it's a double foul, I still don't understand it even after rewatching it. That changed the entire game because he's so key to Florida State's defense. And I know a lot of people haven't been thrilled with Baba Miller's play. He is so key to this defense, what he can do defensively with his versatility and his size and his length. He could shut down one through five by himself and he's such a mismatch, you know, coming off the ball playing on ball, whatever. As soon as he fouled out, Georgia was able to just drive to the rim with not much resistance. Then Jameer Watkins fouls out as well, who had a poor game against Georgia, I will say that. But once he fouled out as well, it's like, oh, man, who do we have out here actually that can play defense? And there's there's nobody that could stop the bleeding. You know, that was my biggest concern coming into the season is who can score? Who could put the ball in the basket? We know Darren Green can. And he did his part last week. I mean, he had, what, 21 points? He did everything required of him. Deontay Green has taken a massive step up. I can't believe how, how well he's played the last couple of weeks. But you don't have someone that can re- reliably get a bucket. Now, if the NCAA could get their head out of their ass and do something with Primo Spears, you know, you'd have that guy. But they're playing without him right now, and it's Florida State should have never lost that game. If they're able to hit some shots in the first half, they walk out of that, walk out of that game with a 20-point win. But – they kind of fit around the first half, couldn't make shots. They finally started to the start of the second half, and they completely faded. And unfortunately, this is kind of starting to look like a trend because even though they were able to defeat Colorado, they were up uh, a pretty decent margin there in the second half and kind of and, almost almost lost it down the stretch and had to go and pull it out in overtime. And then now we see you get out to a large lead against Georgia, fumbled away. Um, went on the road to Chapel Hill, and man, did they look good for about the first 30 minutes of that game. And North Carolina just goes on a on a wild run and runs away with it. I mean, doesn't didn't even really look close when you look at the final score. Whereas what Florida State happened doing up double digits in that game, there's a lot of promise with this team, but they just got to learn how to finish and how to stop some of these opposing runs because it seems like whenever the opponent starts to get some momentum, they really struggle to get back into the game. The biggest thing, well, there's a couple things. I talked about the shot making. The other thing is they just don't have an elite ball handler right now. We saw it against North Carolina where they were playing this unique 2-2-1 press and trapping as soon as the ball got in. Florida State doesn't really have the guy that can break those presses. We saw it a couple times. You know, they, they passed the ball ahead to Deontay Green at half court, and then they had a little pitch off to Jalen Worley or Chandler Jackson or Bobo Miller or whoever. 
but they couldn't get to it consistently enough to make it work. And, you know, like you said, the first 20, I'll say the first 27, 28 minutes against North Carolina, they're doing what you need to do to win on the road at North Carolina. You were hitting threes. You were limiting the offensive rebounds enough because obviously Carolina attacked the offensive glass like crazy. You know, you were doing exactly what you needed there. But then the free throws started catching up to them, and that's where it started getting out of hand. That's where the runs started coming from Carolina. You know, you're not going to win many games when you're outshot 31-8 to at the free throw line. And that's just what you have to expect when you go and play UNC or Duke in North Carolina. Like, they're going to get those advantages with the officiating that you're not going to get. And just, I, I'm sure some people are going to call me a salty Florida State fan or whatever, but it's just the case in the ACC. You're not going to get that advantage. I saw Armando Baycott twice, two-hand push someone in the back, get the ball and get an and one on a really tacky call. And I'm like, all right, we're being a little too ridiculous here. But, I mean, Florida State shot 12 of 28 from three, and Carolina, off the top of my head, I think was 5 of 22. You know, that's a game you're supposed to win, but free throws killed them. That's really what it came down to there. Gilly wants to give her take, obviously. I guess now since she's gotten TV she's, fame, that now she just yeah, thinks she's she a, can just interrupt. She's a big basketball fan. Shout out Gilly. She is. She came in and she was ready to listen to VZ talk about basketball. She was yapping at the damn door. That's for dang sure. But, yeah. And then, you know, the next couple of games coming up, you've got South Florida, SMU, North Florida comes back to town. Yeah, the USF game. Easy. The USF game Saturdays should not be much of a game. Yeah, I know what Florida State's looked like the last week, but Florida State beat Central Michigan by what was it, twenty-seven, something like that. Central Michigan beat USF in Tampa, so this this should be a win. Um, SMU game is going to be tough. SMU's a sneaky good team in the American. Luckily, that game's in Tallahassee, but as we've seen, that doesn't always mean what it did when I was there with the team. Um, after that, <laughs> non-conference is easy. The first few games of the ACC are doable between Wake Forest and Notre Dame, so there's a chance for them to gain some, some momentum. Um, I'm not reading that comment. Oh, there's three this of them na- now. I know. Oh, I hate. I man. hate this narrative. I absolutely hate this narrative. For context um, for our audio listeners, it's comments about Leonard Hamilton and this possibly being his last year. It's just <laughs> not ready yet for that discussion. It's not a discussion. It's just not. Um, let me just put it to bed right yes, now. Sir. It's not happening. Um, he's signed through 2025. He is too big of an icon in the sport to force out. He just is. Well, they said about Bobby Bowden. I get it. Trust me, I get it. (laughs) But at least they had already had a coach in waiting to where they could do something with it. Leonard Hamilton is just Leonard Hamilton is a too much for the sport, too much for college basketball to force him out and go. Yeah, we can go get somebody. It's just not happening. It's just not happening, man. And Leonard Hamilton has said, "Until I come out and sit on the wrong bench, I'm going to be coaching basketball." Well, someone might take that bench away from him. I just, I don't, I don't think, I don't think you can realistically get rid of him. And I think part of it is the team hasn't been as successful last year. 
that's everybody's complaint is he had one bad year. I think this team's still going to be above 500. And, you know, are they in the discussion there in March? Probably not. But that's what Florida State is historically. They get to the tournament one out of every five years. We've been spoiled with Coach Hamilton with the run they had from 2017 through 2021. Absolutely spoiled. That's the best yeah, one ever hope for with, with Florida State. That's what so happens. Though. The bar the bar gets raised, and then the expectations change. Which I get. And I don't. I have never seen a team have as, the injury run that Florida State had the last two years. I've never seen it. I've never seen a, a team with 13 scholarship players have six people available. I have never seen that. So I trust Coach Ham. I'm in the very few vocal minority right now. And at the end of the day, it comes down to making shots. They are getting looks for this team. Guys get cold sometimes. That's not always on the staff. So yeah, I could say a lot more. Three, when they're cold for three years. It's not. Get them a bucket. Again. Or do you? <laughs> they missed a lot. They've missed a Cut lot. <laughs> I, yeah, trust me. I've, I've been as frustrated could as I anybody. made a few of them. Think I could meet them? I've been as frustrated as anybody with how bad the team has been last year. You know, they, the year weren't, before, they weren't good the year before. No, but the year before, if if you stop time after that Duke win, they're tied oh. at the top of the ACC with six and two. Then Malik Osborne gets hurt. Then who was it that was right after him? Oh, so goodness. you're saying they need a new trainer too? Well, they are. <laughs> they're in the process. They are getting new. <laughs> I don't want to share any secrets, but they are. <laughs> um, I mean, like I said, I've just never seen a run of injuries like they had. So I'll give them time. I, I still firmly believe this team will be above 500 by the end of the year. Considering what we saw last year, I consider that a success. Then you look and see what you can do after the season and maybe find your way back in March for next year. Damn it. We're already there. God dang it. I was ah. – we were just at the fun part of talking about basketball, and now I know. Already, I was so excited last week. I had the next year. I was so Damn excited man. last week, but they just—they just don't have the ball handling, and that's in college basketball. You win with ball handling and elite guard play, and Florida State just hasn't had it since Trent Forrest left. It's crazy. They're probably fifteen total game minutes last week from being ranked in the top twenty-five, and now they're well. Now we think their season might be over. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm just trying to be realistic yeah, yeah, about yeah. the. The outlet of the whole season. Absolutely. Like even when no, even no. when I saw the AP votes for Florida State basketball last week, I'm like, hmm, that's early. <laughs> <laughs> even you're like, huh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, shout out to the women's uh, soccer team though. They got the natty done. They took care of business for us. So yeah, at least at least one at least one undefeated football team on campus gets the chance to compete for it. Yep. Football team. Yep. Football. Football. Yeah, and then too, you know. Go back to 2020, what could have been for FSU basketball. You know, I always will say, man, Leonard had a squad that year. And then it's like I said, what could have been for 2023 Florida State football? What could have been, right? Hang like another banner. How I felt all day Sunday and most yep. of the day Monday is exactly how I felt if the tournament got canceled in 2020. It was the same gut punch. Trust me, I get the argument. One was a global pandemic, one is a bunch of old dudes that took away an opportunity. But that's also the best basketball team I will ever see in Tallahassee. I'll just admit mm. that now. That team was so unbelievably good. And, yep. yeah, this 2023 team is good, but we've seen better teams. We will see better teams. Yeah. At the same time, 
I, I can't believe it's taken me two hours to say this. 2023 is the most likable team we've had at Florida State. And I don't know that we can debate that much. As, as much as we all personally love the 2013 team, from if you take a backwards glance, you're like, yeah, there's some off-field stuff there that I don't exactly love. There's a narrative that I don't exactly love. As a, as a we didn't yeah, have that at all. I'll say as a coach, Mike Norvell is highly likable across not just only the Florida State fan base, but across the, the country. He's very likable. And that's it's a very likable team. If you have a coach that you can root for, you know, Jimbo is an asshole. Jimbo is an he asshole, is. but, you know, he was winning games and you're happy because he was winning games. But for Mike Norvell, you know, you, you just kind of have an extra hurt there for a guy that Dustin, you know, connected with us right before he even probably took office. You know, I hit his DMs right away once he got hired and he DM back. If you ever need anything, Logan, let, let me know. You know, if there's a story that you need to write about that, you know, involves our program, let me know. And and if you have any question marks, you know, let me know. And, you know, Mike Norrell has been very hands-on with the media and just to see what they do in practices and stuff, man, it is, you feel for those kids, you know, you go to, you know, what Florida State does all throughout the off season and those training, it is not easy. And we've heard from multiple players, transfers coming in it is not easy to adjust so just imagining what they spent their whole entire spring summer summer workouts under coach storms it's absolute hell on earth and just to go fully undefeated and not get a chance you know an opportunity to what could have been florida state versus washington matchup is a good goddamn matchup i'm just saying it right now, it's a damn good matchup it's a phenomenal matchup with phoenix going against florida state's defense and you know you figure out too oh, but Michael, you get the whole Phoenix. It's not. Penis versus <laughs> FSU's defense. It's, it's Penix. It's Penix. I like Penix better. Penix, I mean. <laughs> Yo, clip that. Clipped. Clip that. No. Sayonara. Clip that. Clip you know, that. In the stream, I'm editing that. this. Once I get out, I'm going on YouTube editor. I'm editing that part out. So That's like that Patrick Payton comment from earlier this year. I got that screenshot in the in the meme folder. In your meme folder. Yeah. I've, I've yeah. been made fun of for two years for slipping up. It's, it's You're time for literally what slipping up. You it, were literally going to have something slip up. I know what I said, but I want that clip too. I want that haunting Logan for the next two years. <laughs> oh, God. That's not, oh, near, bro, like, that's not near as bad. It's, it's close. Brutal. It's close. It's nah, close. Just saying it versus saying where it's going to go. <laughs> and you physically ha- – that would be something physical to happen to you. I'm not – I just said I like <laughs> the quarterback's last name. That is last name, though. I'm glad we could have a laugh, though, at the very end of this because it was not so fun to talk about for an hour. It's, but, a, it's a sarcastic uh, laugh. I'm still pissed off. It is. It is. But tough, 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 tough. But I think that's going to end up end off this episode. Dylan, appreciate you coming on here. It was great getting your take on everything as well. If you guys haven't yet, make sure you guys go check out Dylan's piece. That's published, right, Dustin? No, it's not even done. I don't even think it's a tempest. <laughs> Yeah, it's oh, not. Mine's done. Mine's we'll done. I'm just Got a few thousand okay. more words to go. All right, good. Perfect. So if anybody has about an hour in their day, cool. do it. Or, you know, we need like audio. Shoot, you should just put it in podcast format. Listen, it's the, Oppenheimer, it it's the Oppenheimer of articles. So, I mean, you, okay, I, I, set the, I set the standard at 6,000. So I, I expect more than that. I got to keep going. I got to keep going. Oh, God. <laughs> Look at Dustin. <laughs> It's like that. This is the. I'm going to. I don't want. I don't. I don't want. Dustin asked. Dustin requested it, and I said, "I will never start. I will never stop." And he said, "That's the spirit." So, (laughs) I'm listening to my editor in chief. I said that sarcastically, though. 
Yeah, uh, you can't tell sarcasm through text. You know, I see those ones. I'm like, oh, bet. I'm about to make. I'm about to make you suffer. <laughs> He's already suffered. I'll be honest. It's been it's no sleep. I'll give him this. You know, usually, you know, I, I can't let Dustin get away with stuff, but you know, it. it that was a rough, that's been a rough 72 hour stretch and we're not, oh, we're sure. not close to being done yet, man. But I, uh, yeah, I tons of a, content going out. I took a 6am, 6am flight home for the college football playoff content and just got screwed. I mean, <laughs> you could have stayed in Charlotte. We could you never slept together. I was stranded in Charlotte. It was, it was horrible. I don't think I left bed. Yeah, I didn't. Mm. I can tell you, I didn't leave bed Sunday. I was upset. Mm. And then Monday, I only got up to go to the college or go to the college cup to watch the Lady Knowles win a national championship. It makes me feel better. It makes us feel that makes us do, do feel better. Absolutely. Slightly, slightly better, slightly better. Yeah, still a lot of rage, a lot of rage, a lot of rage. So, um, FSU fan base, hold it, hold, hold it together as much as you can. But we understand if you got to let it out on on Twitter and Facebook or our comments. Let's just make sure we're all safe in there and and. Um, I'm already seeing a lot of a lot of threats. It's it's, it's threats. this is what you do when you piss off FSU Twitter, man. They're they're they'll come for you. They'll come it's, for it's you. Not even Twitter. So it's, the, it's not even Twitter. It's the government. It's it's everybody. It's the college football playoff took down their uh, contact page with all the phone numbers and email <laughs> oh, yeah, addresses. Did they really? Really? Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's incredible. That's content, man. It. That's content for tomorrow. Write that down. Uh, sign me up. That's, I'm pretty that's sure. Hilarious. Let me go. Let me go try and pull it up again. Yeah, but ch- it was check on that before we. Uh, I'll do my usual. As always, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. If you're on YouTube right now, we had a ton of likes on here, a lot of viewers. But hit that like button if you're still hanging around with us, or if you enjoyed the episode, listening afterward. But appreciate everybody hopping on here with us, asking questions, giving us some topics. We'll be live here next Wednesday at seven. So the show goes on; it doesn't stop from here. Um, and then also thank you, Dylan, for hopping on here and make sure you guys go check out his piece and VZ's by the end of the week. Those will be coming out, giving y'all some good insight and getting their thoughts on what happened to Florida state getting screwed out of the college football playoff. I will note Um, very opinionated. I don't get to do it often. So I went all out. Yep. Likewise. Absolutely. Do we know if that contact page is still up there? I can't even find it, so that makes me think it's not. Yeah, it's got to. I don't understand why they would even do that. I don't understand why they would do that in the first place. Like, you're just asking for it. Definitely, you're like this. Any fan base is going to come for you. But specifically, Florida State's best of luck. Mm, mm -mm, Good luck. But, uh, yeah, that's going to wrap it up, everybody. Y'all have a great rest of y'all's week. We'll talk to you guys next Wednesday at 7 p.m. Yeah.